show? Uh, what, John? You were you John. actually jumped a not jumped the shark, but you jumped, jumped a little early. We dumped a little. Yes, we're gonna do. You want to do a show? Our show doesn't. Our show. Yeah, let's do a show. Sir, I said again, sir. Do you want to do a show, sir? Uh, are you doing characters now, bro? What happened there? I told you about that woman way back when I used to run that belly room at the comedy store. She um. It was a bringer show. I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to but you. But that's kind of uh, how they, they. It wasn't always a bringer show, but sometimes it was. And and there were, when you do the bringer shows, um, welcome to Hollywood Anonymous. I'm Brian Irwin. When you do the bringer shows, you you get a certain. You know this because you've been on them. You get a certain segment of comedians that are not really comedians. They're like dabblers. They're whatever they are. They're I don't trying. know. They, they, they're, they're, they're trying, they're but they don't really... Toe, they're putting their toe in the water because they see it as, as maybe a means to an end. And some of them are can be more desperate than others, more confused than others, don't really understand what the concept of stand-up comedy is. But this woman, I liked her. She was nice, but she never really understood. She never could figure out what comedy was, and she was all over the place, quote-unquote, finding her voice. And I'll never forget... She came in one time, or I came in, and I looked behind me. You know the belly room's got those ro- the row of chairs in the back where the comics usually sit before they go up by the soundboard? Yeah. And I see her sitting with a life-sized um, African-American woman puppet, hand puppet, life-size. Was she African-American? No. But the puppet was? Yes. Well, I can already tell you, this is probably not going to go her way. And... <laughs> She gets on stage, and I'm like, and I remember looking, and I looked at Peter Sprite ran the show, man. I remember looking at him going, where is this going? I cannot wait for this hot mess to get going on stage. Let's see this And she, she got up there, and this is what I never understood. This was the voice she used for her puppet. Hello! <laughs> where, who are you? She and I was like, British. no, no, no. She's a British voice for what I can assume was like a Jamaican-looking puppet. I don't remember what the puppet was, but my point was like, she just thought like, well, it needs to have a different voice than mine, and this is all I have. And hey. I remember, remember there was the one guy that had the old woman puppet that kind of talked like that, and I forget who her name was. It was a creepy-looking puppet. Most puppets well, were creepy back then. But and that woman was Roseanne Barr. <laughs> just kidding. No, but uh, it was it was definitely one of those ones. I was like, please make this stop. And then no, I was like, make please. That but then I was album. like, but then I was like, please come back again yes. and keep doing this to see how far she never. And she spent, by the way, asked her. She spent five thousand dollars in that puppet to be made. No, and that was the last time she ever used the puppet. No. Yes. So she basically just has that thing at her house, and she kicks the shit out of it every day, like you fucking dream. Here's killer. the thing, though you you gotta have an idea before you you throw the five k no, no, no. at it. Here's what I'm you gonna tell. You don't throw the five k and then go. I can't believe this didn't work. I didn't no. put any time into this, and it's I don't it. know why this is not working. No, no, no. I'm out. No. Here's the here. If you're listening to this, if you can hear my voice, hello. Understand. I this. hear your voice. Hello. We. I always will encourage you to follow your dreams. I will encourage you to do what you want to do as long as it doesn't hurt other people. However, I'm also going to tell you, never, never, no matter what the circumstance, never spend $5,000 on a fucking puppet, okay? That is a terrible investment. Even if you're Jeff Dunham, Jeff Dunham's puppets probably don't even cost five grand. Like, who built that thing? Mario Andretti built her puppet? Like, what? That's five grand for a fucking puppet is insane. It was life size. Hello. Life was it like when you say life size, you mean like it was a tall. It was like the same size as her. The whole thing didn't make any sense. Wait, what? <laughs> I thought. Sorry, I missed the life size part. Too. I said, 
I just life assumed you meant like puppet. life size, like the size of a child that would sit on her lap. I didn't say baby size puppet. I didn't say toddler size puppet. I said life size puppet. This puppet was side it? by side with her was the exact and same. She what held the whole thing up with one arm, like. Okay, all right, that's too much. Why do you not think that I was like, I cannot wait to see this happen? Where, why, where's that Netflix special? I'd watch that. That, and then followed by Brian Swinehart doing the uh, Amish comedian. There was another comedian uh, that, went, that went up there. I can't remember her name, and I actually won't say because I, I laughed at this one, too. She was all the place. She was a little bit shticky. She was older, and she used to love doing, like, shtick comedy, yeah, and yeah. I didn't care. But then one time she also decided today was the day she wanted to change her act. And do you remember the South Park movie, Bigger, Oh, yeah, Bigger, Better, Longer, Uncut? Yeah, and you remember the thing about a dude from North Korea with the song of I'm So Rongry? Uh-huh. That whole thing? Uh-huh. So she went on stage and she decided to do her sad clown version of comedy where she was like, I'm so sad. And I was like, what the fuck is going on here right now? Let's just go back to the old Shecky Green comedy. hi And she did a whole five minutes of a song about how sad she was. And then I was like, OK, well, we probably should talk to her afterwards, make sure she's OK. And afterwards, she's like, how was that, you guys? Was that, was that amazing? Or like, I was going really deep there. And we were like, OK, yeah, yeah, sure. And then she went back to just doing comedy again after that. And that's our podcast, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs> I only bring these things up because from Brian's open. No, mic but sometimes show. people go, "How come you? How come you don't go watch live comedy?" And I try to explain to people because I've seen a lot. I've seen so much. I've seen enough. So much. I'm good. I'm tapped out. And I out. still do. I still do go see live comedy. I will go. That's because you didn't run a room. Nope. That is very true. I never ran a room. I've never. I've never booked a show. I. Was, I, I was a silent booker at three clubs oh, for a long silent time. Silent booker. No one knew I booked. You were the dark web of booking. I just told Brian Swinehart who to book. I was like, hey, put this guy on. Oh, so that's why I never got it. Good call. The secret finally came out. This is a super secret. Hello. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna bring in our guests uh, because good, because I, I mentioned. Uh, Brian Swinehart's Amish comedian, and one of our guests is probably the the guy who made Brian bring it out of retirement after everyone was like, "Thank God that character's gone." This guy shows up at the show, and is like, "Oh man, I love that character." And Swinehart runs out to his car, still has the beard and the hat and his fucking trunk. Well, he got excited. Comes, oh, he's like, "Oh, this guy likes it." Comes back into three clubs, fucking does it again. Everyone's like, "Oh, we're seeing this again." One dude laughing. One of our guests. Well, today. guess what? One uh, dude got entertained. That's all that dude, matters. You know in what? That's kind of how I felt. I was like, if this is entertaining, this guy, fine, fuck it. And it, I, that was entertaining enough for me. All right, that's our show, everybody. Thanks for coming. <laughs> <laughs> Bring him on because I want to talk to him about TikTok. Oh, These yeah. are creators. Yeah. Oh yes, actually. Okay, so we have two guests today. They're uh, p- part of the same thing. Um, part we of have, the same uh, thing. Writer, They're conjoined. Director, producer, um, fucking editor. Uh, Paul Osborne Hello, of, Paul. of the movie Cruel Hearts. Hello, thank you. The, Although I'm not one of, the, I'm not the producer. That's the only thing. Oh, I Oh, that movie. But you are, you have produced. I have produced yes. before. Yes. All right. Thank um, you for being honest. And then we have producer of Cruel Hearts, there Jay Brown, former Hello, guest, everybody. and former guest, former guest, and yes. kind of a longtime friend. Well, uh, I've known him for a pretty long time. And, and Amish comedian and fan, Amish, and, and, fan of Amish. And if you go to the Amish comedian fan website, you'll see one one person. That person <laughs> is Jay Brown. That's yeah. me. You would have liked Hello. Hello. It you sounds like it would yeah. be right up Jay's yeah. alley. Like, <laughs> so you have a tall black puppet and it does a weird British I woman's accent. And do you also have any other sad songs you, you can sing you. next week? You I will really? say I've seen Mike O'Connell do a couple songs that were about sadness. 
that were not hilarious, but very awesome. The insulin song? No, I don't think it was the insulin song, but he did a song. I saw him. Asian Baby? My No, no, no. Asian Baby. Real sad. <laughs> um, no, I, I took my, my like second and a half date with Nicole. I go. Second and a second half. And what does that half. even mean? What is that? We went out, had dinner. <laughs> she left me, and I then went, I we found went her. bowling for our second date. I sweat through a flannel, didn't wear a hat. Like, the fact that she didn't leave the bowling alley is amazing. Is this leading to the half part of it? Yeah, and then oh, the next okay. day, we was like, I was like, hey, I'm going to the improv to see my buddy do comedy. Do you want to come with? And she was like, yeah. So it wasn't like a full-on, like, let's go get food. And it wasn't like a date date. It was like, let's go to the improv together. I don't know. So I didn't really count it. I didn't know was... you could call half dates. I, that's your, the first person I've ever yeah, actually... First I've heard of it. But it makes sense when you explain it that way, because yeah. you didn't you weren't committed to any, no, any type of event. No, it was kind of, of a last minute, like, hey, uh, Mike O'Connell's headlining the improv. I love Mike O'Connell. I think, to me, in my head, I'm like, this is a test. If she goes and she does not laugh at Mike O'Connell or she does not laugh at any of the comedy, like we might have a fucking problem. I got to be honest with you, going. I'm, I'm going to tell you the exact opposite of what you thought. At that point, you guys were already together. You just didn't know it. Well, yeah. If okay. you're just like you just want to go hang out, I mean, it's already over. Like you're not dating anymore. Now you're like actually together. Well, we were married the next day. Yeah, we exactly. were married the day after the Mike O'Connell. The second half of that, oh, that date, date was, was the our actual wedding. marriage. Was yes. Our Are you guys? Do you guys do TikTok? My son, my son did TikTok in the beginning. Okay, he is, now he's too old for it already. He's sorry, he's moved past it. He now it's really sad. He's caught the movie making sickness, so he was filling up my phone with footage, and finally I said no more because my phone how can't. old is your son? Oh, yeah, how old is your kid? nine. Oh man, and he's already over TikTok. So he, so I bought him, so I bought him a small DD camera, and he runs around the house shooting, and he's like, "You edit it," and I'm like, "I'm not going to edit your I got shit. T- my own shit to edit, kid." So I literally <laughs> taught him how to edit on Final Cut, and now he's editing on Final Cut. Of course, because you know. So I'm not. in one room editing on the Avid, and he's in the other room editing on Final Cut. And I hear, "Dad, how do I do dissolves? Wow. Dad, how do I make the graphic purple? Like that wow. kind of stuff." And he, but he's like, he's not at the point where he cares what the audience thinks or is inter- interpreting what he literally with his friends. Like his brother, his older, his seventeen. He and I showed him how to make a movie. Like you, you do this angle, then you do this angle, and you cut them together. And we showed him everything. And then he just now he just with his friends they make a movie. He just runs with the camera. They do like two shots where they properly set the camera up on a tripod. And then by the third shot, they're like they're bored, so they're just running with the camera in their hand, acting out the movie. But all the camera sees is like Blair Witch B roll, yeah, sure, sure, you know. Sure. And, then, and then footage. And then he slaps the three things together and puts a tag on it and goes, puts sends it onto YouTube. To Lime Time Live, if you want to check out his YouTube channel. Uh, there's a couple of things on there that are pretty funny. There's the Poop Monster and Poop Monster 2, number 2. Those are the ones we helped him with. And then he's got one where he eats British candies in England. Everything else is, is either game. Everything else is either video game play or him filming the floor screaming. And wow. But yeah. So I really don't. So I, I, that sounds, everything you just described sounds like you can find that on TikTok. But here's the thing. <laughs> well, no, but, but TikTok, he has to use somebody else's words usually. He's doing oh, his own. Oh, is that what that is? Yeah. Can you guys explain, explain <clears throat> okay, to okay. people listening who are of, of right. adult age? Anybody over three knows what TikTok is. I don't yeah. even know what TikTok That's okay. is. You don't, want, you don't want to know I what TikTok don't, is. I don't and didn't care until I, 12 years ago. I was doing back when I was trying to do like, like it's almost pre. Analytics. I was doing my own analytics on YouTube of like, what's popular on YouTube? Why is it popular on YouTube? Why are certain things getting so many views? You know, in the early days of YouTube, like there was very few videos that were featured on the front page, but you could also go to the most successful ones. You could see who had the most views and top 10. So at that time, the number one video 
was maybe some of you guys remember this. It was some inspirational speaker guy that was doing different dances to different music, and it had like. 300 million views on it. And I was like, hold on a second. Why is this This shitty video of some guy on stage horribly dancing to different music, that's what's translating to everybody in the world. Like, that's really what you boil down to. And it's basic thing. It's like, like, yeah, basically. (laughs) So the only other things that were super successful were people hurting each other. So I was like, okay. So shitty video and people getting hurt apparently is the algorithm that's going to get you views. Yeah, they Millions. made three jackass movies if you're not aware of it. <laughs> yeah, right. Millions. So I created a character called Franklin Apollo who had a mullet who uh, was a, f- a bad inspirational speaker who eventually became a guy named Todd Connor. But we decided to shoot the first video. We actually found an old VHS camera. To shoot shot it, it on with. VHS. We shot it on real VHS, so it looked like it was done from a different time. It was. And <laughs> and um, this actor, Dan Satchoff, played Franklin Apollo, and he did a... You know Dan Satchoff? Yeah. yeah, so he did an antitrust fall, so we hired a stunt woman, and we, we pulled the real people off of Craigslist to come to a theater, and he put her on a ladder... And he goes, one, two, and he turned away from her, and she fell. And everyone's like, oh, my God, because she did such a great, she landed, and she landed hard. And the whole video is us shutting it down. You know, right, like this playing, is over. Yeah, yeah, we're like, everybody's coming out, and I got guys going, we need to call an ambulance. We're and I'm here. like, get on the phone, and get on so, the phone. It went viral overnight. Like we made it, and it, it had five hundred thousand views within like three hours. Oh, like wow. we were just like, you, we, t- you combined the two things you saw: shitty, like shitty yes. white guy, and it, it hit and immediately. Wow. And since then, and I don't really feel like I'm exposing anything, yeah. but for twelve years, people have been be- debating whether this is a real video or not, and it's gone viral three times. The third time. Dan said, you're not going to believe this, but right now we're trending on TikTok. Now, I had not been on TikTok, so I went there, and sure as shit, there's the video, and people are like, this guy needs to be in jail. This is like, and it's like the whole shit all over again. Doesn't people trying to figure out? And then people are like, no, no, it's... He, I love that. And people are like, no, dude, I just did some Google research. We created fake web pages. We created a whole other identity of Todd Connor trying to clean up his image of like and denial. And people are like, I found him. He's Todd Connor. He's changed his name. He's, he's he cut his hair. He doesn't have his mullet anymore. And they're like, fuck that mullet guy. Like everyone was like really upset. Fuck that mullet oh my guy. God, so, dude. And so, so to get to TikTok, well, he doesn't know is, what it is. So you're so still I'll like, explain to you. TikTok, that, that's TikTok. <laughs> yeah. That video. That's it. Right. It's it's short snip. Yeah. Basically, to like me, seconds, it's kind of right? like it's kind of like a vine. It, it took the mantle from Vine. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. but what it does is, at least the TikTok videos I've seen, and it's very popular among under ten year olds. Is it's um, there's there's audio clips, 20 second, 30 seconds, something could like sing that, or something, right? Or well, there's I don't they, know what well, the ones that they my, my kid and his friends were doing, they were audio clips like an exchange from SpongeBob from the a SpongeBob cartoon. And you can hold your phone, and when you when you hold it, when you let when you hold it down, it pauses, and we let it go, it records. And it shows you a little timeline on top of the screen where the breaks are, where the different lines are. So you can basically do your own video, and it will lay it over the audio, and we'll post it. But a friend of mine who's a big um, a YouTube producer, 
he said that TikToks actually had a real problem because it was immediately super popular among small children, and pedophiles went, yum. Shocking. Uh, no, so, we love that. So TikTok is a real issue because they had no protocols in place to protect children. It's a Chinese company, correct? I believe that, that made it. Which so they I had lots of protocols in place to harvest children from... Well, but media, they, 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 they weren't regulated the same Chinese way. Yeah, they, yeah, white it's, trafficker. It's, TikTok it's not regulated the same way, right? Because it, it came from somewhere else. But th- right. So this is my journey of TikTok. This is why I want to bring it up. So within two days, I was disturbed by what TikTok was after I thought it was really cool. The thing was on there because you, you can swipe through. Like, so when you're finished, when you swipe, 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 like a dating app almost, like next video, next video, next video. Here's what TikTok was to me, and this is my get off the lawn. I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I'm too old for this shit. My diaper's full. It was, <laughs> it was young girls barely wearing any clothes. Yellow. Basically, it was, it, was, it was video versions of everybody doing fucking selfies. Like, there was no Downloading value. TikTok now. There, it was zero fucking value. Nobody had anything to offer. It was it was look at me? Just just look at me. Just keep looking at me. I'm just keep please look at me. And then the other ones was basically all the states I never want to go to again of people watching their dogs kill raccoons, uh, hunting pigs, killing coyotes. And I was just like, I'm pretty much fucking done with this. Like, is this this is what you do with your fucking life? Well, like, no. Soon there'll be. Massive celebrities coming off of TikTok, just like they made. I, I Good was for a, them. I I'm was out. In a movie I, that was my run of TikTok. Stars. I'm fucking done right. with TikTok. Where right. I just, it's like, I if you spent, I spent just enough time on there to almost get depressed. Of, yeah. and I'm glad you guys are here to talk about the other part of why I moved out here in the first place, which was not Instagram, <laughs> actual right. Facebook, and and TikTok. But it makes it it, it gets a little bit scary because you kind of go, is this? what entertainment has become and can right. we overcome it? Like it, it scared the shit out of me. And I was like, I literally deleted the app. Cause I was like, this is a fucking waste of time. It, it showed me it's the gross. worst of humans. Yeah. And I just didn't get it. And again, that's me being the old guy, yeah, get off my lawn, but that was my experience with it. But well, I did go viral. 947,000 views in 24 man, hours fantastic. on my video. Because so I got that going. A woman off a ladder. I'm going to tell everyone <laughs> where you live and me and our vigilante, Justice mob are coming to your place to burn it all down. But that being said, like I mean, you guys go out and you make something. Do you do you f- do you feel even when you make something that you are it's it's an even greater uphill climb now than maybe it was? I don't know how long you guys have been out here, but like as a perfect example, you come out here and you're like, here's the system, and this is how the system is set up, and so much has changed literally in 20 years, and how the system works. And all I think the thing that has concerned me the most is the short form stuff, like ridiculously short form stuff that lacks narrative. Do you did, did did that? Does that scare you guys when you when you try to create, or do you believe that doesn't matter? There's always going to be uh, my, my my mindset is there's always room for the other stuff kind of thing. Uh, well, I mean, I'll, I'll take this first. Yeah, you're talking, you're talking about you, with, I don't think curious. I don't think you, TikTok is more of a social media platform. I wouldn't I wouldn't consider, where's Vine now? I wouldn't consider TikTok is like, but they, f- okay, they so farm it for you, talent. So YouTube is a high. Well, they even farm Instagram for talent. YouTube is a highway, right? And you're you guys are. I don't know where you're from. I, I grew up in Colorado, Wisconsin. Okay, Wisconsin, right? So um, all right, so you it snows. And they clear the highway, and there's snow on the sides of the highway, and then all the exhaust from the cars darkens and blackens the snow and bumps pee on it and shit, and it's just this nasty sludge on the sides of the highway. Okay, so the highway is YouTube. <laughs> the sludge is TikTok. The okay. sludge is Vine. I like that description. So that's really so YouTube is a legitimate I love thing. YouTube. 
I think YouTube is, and it's the only thing that has survived from Friendster, like everything that's come along. Well, because YouTube, YouTube is no longer a social. It's YouTube is a YouTube is the is the public access channel yes. Yes. of the streaming world, but it's it's a superior one, and there's a lot of stuff on it that's really good. Yep. Um, there's a show called uh, My Daughter, who's 22, uh, texted me. She's like, "You're on my brother, who's nine. Um, he would like this show, Epithet Erased." So, like, what is that? She's like, well, it's a show. It's a, it's a cartoon show. It's sort of anime style. It's really strong narratives, funny voices, but it's totally kid-friendly. It's on YouTube, and it's some independent guys who made this show, but they're 30-minute episodes. They're really well-made. They're really well-written. We started, we watched, started watching them last night. So that's, that's a legitimate venue. But here's the thing. He got my son, who watches a lot of gaming, streaming, yeah. whatever, he totally got caught up in Epithetic Race, and he started watching it, and he got really caught up in the narrative of it. So there isn't... I, if someone... just Because someone likes watching an unboxing video with a six-year-old, doesn't mean they're not going to like a movie. doesn't mean they're not going to want to watch something but, with a story. But it takes them away from those experiences to an extent. I think, By the way, but I think, I, but I think our, but I think our viewing time has ex- expanded. I look, I'm, I love, I love your positive spin, but can I tell you something? You're the yeah. first guest so far. And I'm curious in this time that we, I ask you how many more family members are going to come up because every story so far, <laughs> I, I know, found out sorry. you have a nine year old, you have a, you have a 22 year old and you have a, you've already listed three kids. So if I ask I you seven three. questions, I have three. That's okay. It. That's it. That's I was it. really afraid you were going to keep, keep having going. children for my every 40, story that we, that I my wife hasn't, so I haven't talked to my wife today. Maybe she's pregnant, but I don't think, <laughs> I think we're good. I think we're good because she can't stand the side of me. That would be that would be a baby through osmosis. It's, it's just interesting because like I literally we, normally we have to ask somebody uh, you know like oh you have any you have a family oh you have a kid yeah, yeah. like literally your no, stories I, have incorporated your children so now we don't even have to cover. Well, look, it. it's great. I, we have a home we have a, you know we have a homegrown production company. My wife is my production literally. company partner, and so yeah, no, look, like my daughter who's 22, was the assistant editor on the movie Cruel Hearts that Jay and I are here to talk about. Mm. My son, who's 17, worked on the set of the movie we just shot this summer called Fluorescent Beast that Jay also produced. Are they, just to be clear, are they happy about this? Or did you just uh, make they it? Volu- yeah, they yeah, volunteered they for it. So make sure. No oh, yeah. sure. labor was And my, my 17-year-old, he's going to graduate high school this year, and he wants to be a sound designer. So he's like, he has he has a, a mentor, and he has the app, and he's working on sound design for this movie. Are you okay with your kids getting into the business? Yeah. Okay. I, look, I put a roof over their over their head in this business, so. But you know, even some people that do sometimes are like, nah, you, maybe you should go into the real world. No, I don't. I, I want to I, see. I I wanted to do this out of the womb, so to me, it's like anybody who doesn't want to do this is like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. You know, my 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 youngest wants to do. He's very passionate about video games, the way that I'm passionate about filmmaking. He really, but he can't. He, and he has—he does coding. He does all that stuff. Well, he's video games are. I mean, have you, have you seen those fucking things? They're right. like—they're movies. Well, they're also. He's the already most told me how many thing. platforms he's going to have. This is my first platform. This is my second platform. How so many games going to have? He's already designing games. He creates characters. He speaks to me. He goes, "Dad, get up." I'm like, ah. He's like, it's nine o'clock at night. I'm like, I want to just sit. I'm old. He's like, get up. No, fight me. Choose your character. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Jesus Christ, dude. I, I Choose my, my character? Fine. I'm sleeping, man. No, no, no. You have to be. And he gives me 20, 20 different characters to choose from that are like out of his head. Yeah. Just then on the fly. And I go, okay, I'll choose this one. He goes, are you sure you want to choose that one? Because his powers are this, 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 and this. I'm like, fine. He's like, no, no, no. You sure you don't want to choose this other one? I'm like, I'll choose that one. Are you sure? Just fucking. Just let's go. Can just yeah, just yeah. Pretend, let me pretend to hit you, and then you knock me over with the power I didn't know you have, so I can go to level two and fight the boss you're going to pretend to be. Like, that's literally what we're doing. 
I uh, make my kids watch Rockford Files. I am a failure of a father. Wait, do you make your your kids actually watch Rockford Files? Uh, they watch one episode. Oh come on, it's great. I love Rockford Files. Steve Channel. You got to pick. The, you got to pick the right one, right? What? It is slow moving. I noticed right away when they started watching. They're right. like, let's 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 do something. My seventeen year old is your leisure the, suits are killing me here. My seventeen year old is a big movie snob. We watch a lot of De Palma. We watch a lot of like. Tarantino. We watched a lot of Hitchcock. He's a big, uh, he's a big um, De Niro fan. My kids watch Lab Rats. He's, obs- he's obsessed with The Irishman. He watches wow. it on a loop on Netflix. We saw it in theatrically. Wow. He's obsessed with it. He can quote. He can do all that guys. So we watched last Friday. We watched Scarface, and I because I wanted him to see Al Pacino younger, and he was like, "No, that's not this." That it was weird for him. He's like, "I can't." Oh wow. That's the guy who's like solidarity. I'm like, "That's that's Wait, him." Are we talking about Liam? Or are we talking about Andy? Andy. Andy. By the, the way, you know what? Yeah. That's amazing. It's funny you bring that up. I you forget until you watch the world through a, a child's eyes, yeah. right? Somebody another generation's eyes, because we've all had that experience where. You saw somebody on television, but the first time you saw them, they were an old person. Yeah. And then you'll see them show up in like some movie later where they yeah. were like 40 yeah. years younger, and you're like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. Like it doesn't process with right. you right. that they ever looked different. Or like someone that you knew that always had a mustache, and you see him in something, and there's no facial hair on him. You're yeah. like, no, no, no. different guy. No, no. Like Charles is a perfect wrong. example. Yeah, it's wrong. Chapman, like Oliver he, Hardy with no mustache. Like he loves the show Community, and I was like, you know, Chevy Chase, who's on Community, he used to be a big movie star in the 80s. Like, what? Like, oh he was a comedy God. star, so I put on Fletch, and he's like, no. No, I can't. No, <laughs> no. I can't look at that. Wow. And I'm like, it's really funny. He's like, no. Like, oh, but he's like, no, I can't see. That's not Pierce. It looks weird. Wow. But the first time he saw De Niro was in Midnight Run. And then he saw him as uh, in Taxi Driver. And then he saw him in, he loves getting comedies. He'll like pull the Blu-ray into his room and watch it endlessly. And he's like, so we're watching The Irishman. He's like, is that Rupert Pumpkin? <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> it is like, how? what? How? Wow. I'm like, this is much more his thing. Like, you remember Goodfellas? He's like, oh yeah, he's in Goodfellas too. Oh my God. Now your kids, the way you're describing them, they seem to, they take to something and they get really into it and they sort of yeah. probably dissect it. They get that from so me. I was going to say, say so there must be an addictive you, personality in that house somewhere. Yeah, yeah a little. you said that you, you were, you wanted to be a filmmaker out of the womb. Out of the womb. Out of the womb. Um, I wanted to be an actor first. Okay. And then I realized I suck. How long have you been out here? I, I, I was born out here. You were? Okay. Yeah, but I grew up like, I, I, I was born in Santa Monica, St. John, John, oh, okay. John's. When I was four, my family emigrated to Denver. Oh, cool. Because it was LA was very polluted. They go, we don't want to be in the number one polluted city in the country. We want to be in the number two polluted city in the country. So we moved <laughs> yeah. to Denver near a nuclear trigger facility, which is which leaked by the way, and we're still getting settlement money from. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's a totally Homer Simpson. So that's so. This is how you guys made the movie off the settlement money from a right. nuclear meltdown. No, I did, okay, it just it just came in. Uh, hey, my <laughs> wife has gone to that settlement money. <laughs> no, but she. Uh, so wait, so. Um, Grew up in Denver, then I moved back here. Uh, no, that actually, God, wow. This is a, then I went to Miami for college. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah. And then, because uh, Miami Vice was big. And then I moved back here. You were just talking about Miami Vice. I moved back here when I was 25. Okay. This isn't Hollywood Anonymous. Paul, this is your life. <laughs> how do you two this even really know each like other? There's a Mark Marin bio happening with how do right you? T- how do you two guys know each other? I'm assuming you knew each other previous to making the movie. I yes, prison. Believe. Prison. That Prison, makes sense exactly. in Miami yeah. when you Same guys Quentin. were running cocaine. Yeah, as Big a Mama cowboy. sold me to Jay for a pack of cigarettes. I've never been happier. <laughs> uh, actually, I uh, I met Paul uh, through our friend uh, Patrick Day. It's um, through Pat, right? It's through Patrick Day. Yeah, yeah. actually, well, through your wife Leslie, who was friends with Patrick. I'll go through you, my wife Leslie. Yeah, take it easy. <laughs> um, but um, we all had mutual friends. We all hung out and had a good time together. And one day. Paul kind of came into the mix, and 
the way he and I became friendly was uh, he did a movie with Patrick called Favor. And uh, I watched that movie finally, and I was super impressed with the way Paul pulled off the story, uh, the movie in general. And I went to Patrick and said, dude, Paul ever does another movie, I want to work with that guy. When you say did the movie, what did you do on the movie? He was writer-director. Got it. Wrote okay. it, directed, and, okay. and cut it. And Patrick is the, the star of that movie. Okay. And the star of Cruel Hearts. Did you okay. write it for him in particular? Or did you I write did, it? actually, yeah. I saw um, Patrick was in a film called Waiting for Ophelia that our friend Adam Carl directed. And I went to the cast and crew screening of it. And I didn't... Patrick, my, my wife is sort of... She went to USC and... She sort of has this collective of friends. I call them the USC Mafia. <laughs> sort <Yeah>. of these, <laughs> they're, uh, and Pat was sort of in that group, but I didn't really know him that well. Uh, went and saw this movie, and it's a good movie. And but Patrick just blew my sock. I, I couldn't believe how like this guy. I mean, everybody in the film was good, but Patrick really he stood out to you. It was like yeah. like oh, that's like I know Gene Hackman. And no one else has realized he's Gene Hackman yet. Right, like that's right. what it felt like. Like, right. oh, I've got you know it's, uh, Al Pacino's in the room. So I was intimidated to talk to him after that. I'm like, this is Pat. Is this Pat? He teaches children. How scary could this guy be? Right. So uh, I went to him and I said, look, I really love your work in this movie, and I'm I want to write something for you. And he went, oh yeah, sure, yeah, because he's heard that a million because everybody says times that, and everyone blows smoke up right. everybody's ass. And then I went and I wrote. That part for him, and and uh, he was like, "Really?" I'm like, "Yeah," and he did it. That was it. So he, how was that? Did you give him a script straight up, or do you give him it in chunks, or do you go, "Hey, what do you think of this?" I waited till no, I, I I waited till I was I was happy with it and I was ready to do it. I there were two leads in that film. It's a two hander, really, mm-hmm. and the other. Would you call it a one? Two hander. What does that mean? It's a it's a film that basically has two leads, and it's pretty much just them. There's other actors in the film, but it's 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 really about their relationships. Did with you their, make that up, or is that the actual? That's the actual. Term? That's the actual term. Gosh, learn two-hander. something new today. Loving it. Two hander. Two hander. Okay. Two hander. So uh, it's really about these two guys, and so he was one half, and a friend of mine named Blaine Weaver played the other guy, and I wrote it, that part for him. So I, I just both of them. I had epiphanies. I saw Blaine in a play, and I'd known Blaine for years as a director, but he's also an actor, and I was like, wow, he's really good. So I should write something for him, and I thought, well, I'll put them together, you know, like like chocolate and peanut butter. Let's see what happens. And they just had a really good chemistry. It really worked. But yeah, I know I gave them the script. We did a table read. I was just said you had them kind of do a test together to make sure they. I just did a table read with the two with with yeah. everybody, and and they just sort of hit it off. And they had known each other years earlier, but had never acted together. They wow. both had gone to the same acting school, but had never performed together. But they had this really odd kind of great little great chemistry, and. They, I just, I, I came to them with like, here we go, we're doing it. Here's the script. Here's our start date. You know, would you like to come aboard? Please come aboard because I wrote this for you. And he was like, yeah, great. That's I, awesome. You know, is you know, is an, an actor who's not working a lot, working as much as he should be, and when you offer an actor a part that's written for them, especially one that's a co-lead in a movie. It's gotta really suck for them to turn it down. <laughs> it's gotta. It it's does. gotta be insulting. It's, it's gotta be like. Well, it's gonna, <laughs> no. It's gotta feel pretty. It, uh, you know that happens though, right? No, I totally. <laughs> it does. But like, even if it's meh, they're like, oh, I get to be the lead in the movie without having to audition. I, it's a go. We're doing it. Yeah, that's how I've. Been, I, I've had people who are like, hey, I wrote this thing for you, and it's like, no. oh wow, like it's. It kind of comes out of nowhere, and you, you, it's very humbling, and you're very. It's like an honor. You're like, oh man, that's great. You know. Yeah. Um, Luckily for me, the two things that were like basically written for me, I thought were kind of funny, and they also let me rewrite. 
they were like, yeah, this is for you. But find, like, find your voice in it. it. Right. That's a good own. idea. Yeah. Like, Hello. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> Hello. I was, became an old <laughs> English black lady. Um, <laughs> with a, with a, I heard there's a life-size doll of that old English. Well, By the way, can we go back to the life-size doll for a second from the mm-hmm. preamble of this episode? Okay, so that you realize that doll, if she's smart, it's paid for itself. Because all she has to do is put it in the front seat of her car. In the front passenger seat of her car, strap it in, and she is. And if she gets pulled over, she just slides her hand up the back of that thing, and she talks to the officer. <laughs> and she's, she's like, "Hello, yeah, hello, hello, officer. You may have seen me at the belly room at the it, comedy store. It's, it's a, it's a black puppet, so it can totally be like, we're filming this. <laughs> you lose your fucking job." So, um, so Jay Brown hires you. No, I, is that how that really works? Like, who, who's so? When you guys worked on the project together, is there like is it is it is it a, a co-production? Is it one of those things where like, hey, I, I want to do this and I need you to do it yeah, for well, what me? Is the like, co- what? like, what is the cut? Co- because I understand as a producer, like you, you take title of producer. Like when I was a kid, people told me producers are the ones who put up all the money. Directors are the ones who direct the film. Yeah. I was like, what's the difference? That's what everyone told me as a kid. Sure. That's like a very simple like. It's hard to describe what a producer does. A producer, like I say, producer paves the road. The director drives down, really. I mean, producer yeah. makes the... And we actually... That's a, that's a great way to put it. It's a second now, road a, there's reference. A, there's a diffusion Less of... Less bullshit produ- on the side of the road. Well, there's more bullshit on the more side More bullshit. The there's a diffusion of producer credits in this business where like, you watch it from there's like 25 producers because mm-hmm. every single production partner company has a producer on the on the thing. Yes. I have a kind of a strict policy in our movies that if you're not actually producing the movie, you don't have a producer. You can be an executive producer, an associate, but whatever. But if you're... a the producers are actually producing the they film. They produce, yeah. So Making it happen. So it's Jay and then Joe Pazula mm-hmm. are the two producers on the movie, and they produced it. They produced the shit out of it, and I didn't. Yeah. So like that's what you were saying before you interviewed me. I'm like, let's make sure to be clear. I did not produce this film. Yeah, no, no, fair like, enough, fair enough. There's and a Best of Picture award. It goes to these guys, not me. The fact that you have produced in the past, you understand what it takes and how difficult it can be. And, and the totally. Well, and what you're talking And I have my hands in it. I mean, my wife and I, sure. are, our company, this is our production, so we are, in a sense, the studio, okay. in a way. You know, like, because behind the producers are, we're back there with the beans and counting those, and we're making, you know, creating the infrastructure for which the producers can produce and the film can be made, but sure. but um, so right. You're talking. I mean, what you're talking about, and I think where there where people get confused is there's the actual work and the title associated to it, and then there are, and this happens unfortunately. There are title grabs. People like try to collect as many titles as right. they can on right. the project, and yeah. everyone's seen it. You've gone mm-hmm. to certain movies where like the actor is also an EP, and yeah. I mean like they're just. They're they're rifling through all the credits oh, that just, they're uh, we have a that joke, they're like, negotiating. The more sure. logos you see, the more producers there are. It's yeah. kind of it's kind of funny. Um, I remember I, I with with go back to the movie Favor. We were we have a desert location in the film that's very important, and we had very little money. and We were scouting for it, and a friend of mine called me and he goes, "I think I might have a place you can use. A friend of mine has a property out there. I can hook you up, and they might be amenable." I said, "Great." He goes, "You know, and you know, if you if you make it happen with them, just like, you know, just throw me a producer credit or something." And I said, "I, I can't do that." Because I have actual producers. <laughs> I'm, right, like, I'm like right. diffusing their credit if I give you a producer credit for doing a meet Neil email. And, that, and that's what's funny about it is just throw me a... Like, it's like there, there's me no produ- value in it. Right. Like, they want the value, but they're simultaneously have completely devalued yeah, so the title. Is, like, it doesn't right. mean so anything. So my, 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 thing is, it, yeah. my thing is I... And, you know, so my thing is we're... You know, I want to... You know, what Jay does... Uh, you're going to talk one day. Oh, sorry, we're, we're totally talking over you. Uh, you know, especially on a, on a on a micro budget film. You know, when you have l- fewer crew, a producer a producer's hat gets a lot has a lot more head in it. Yeah. Put it that way. 
Uh, who a- who asked who? Did you? So we didn't really got into that how the actual. Well, you said you wanted well, to work with it. Yeah, so I saw favor. I loved it, and yeah. I Thank went you. to Patrick and I said, "Hey, I want to work with Paul if he's going to be doing if he does another movie." And he goes, "That's so weird. He happens to be writing a movie right now." And uh, Paul and I got to talking, and my my full time job is a location manager in this industry in reality TV. Oh, we commercials. know. Oh, our audience knows who you are. Right. <laughs> So I, uh, boss, everybody. John's mom knows who you are. You know, actually, John is my assistant right now. So technically, I'm your boss. So can you give me some water, John? Technically, we're doing a fine podcast and we're not at work. Now we know why he's not talking. He got a little lip on him. Oh, you need more water, boss? I'm all good. Uh, But uh, Paul sent me his script and I read it and immediately loved it. And I said, let's do this, you know? And um, when you say, let's do this, let's make this happen. Meaning what, in your head, and what again, you, what are you thinking? Maybe well, he asked, the average he asked person he... says that all the time, but they never follow through on the let's do this. Sure, what does let's do this actually mean to you? Because uh, most people, do, and John was joking about this earlier, most people don't make it to the finish line. There's a lot of fucking talk. Well, a lot of let's well, do this, there's but a, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a plan. Well, I Somebody has to have a plan. Well, here's the plan guy. Well, actually, yeah. I mean, we already had a start date, I think, at that point. Right? Yeah, I think we had a start date. I mean, Paul, Paul's a machine. Let's just let me just put it out there. A lot of people don't understand. He he says he's not really a producer on this picture. That's BS. He actually is such a huge part of everything that he does. You know, he edits the film. He wrote the film. He directed the film. He produces. You know, he uh, you know he. He, he, he helped with craft he's service. I shot this one too. He shot yeah. this. Yeah. He shot this one. I mean, Paul is so involved. I mean, he's uh, you know he's a one man shop for sure. Can edit the thing. So um, when I came to him and, and told him I wanted to work with him, and we I read the script. I, you know, I started throwing ideas out about locations already. You know, we had a start date on it. And uh, what about money? Um, that was the other thing. So we uh, there was a Kickstarter campaign. Oh, you did. Okay. There was a Kickstarter campaign that started. He already there was already money involved. Okay. Yeah, we already. But. I think we already we already closed the campaign. We raised about a third of the budget on Kickstarter. Yeah. So that was a, a good start. Interesting. So I have two questions. Okay. One, do you guys believe because you brought it up already that in order to accomplish something, you have to give yourself a date, a start date, which yes. also helps yeah. you stay focused. There is 100%. So that you don't have yes. this, like, we'll make it when we make it. That's one. Yeah. Uh, two is, you said you raised a third of it. Yeah. Now, you know, common practice always says you don't start until you have all the money in the bank. Which one did you guys do? Did you start with the third? You start. And then did you sweat the other two thirds the whole time, no. or how did you guys play that part of it out? You know, budget plays into creativity and the vibe on a set and everything. Quite does. frankly, when right. you're sweating about that stuff, so I'm curious how you guys handled that. Do you want me to take? Yeah, that go one ahead. Or? You can take that. Um, and basically, I mean, the yeah, you're right about the start date. Here's the thing: like every every movie that gets made has someone who is the engine. Who has the wherewithal to push it to, to force it into being? Because that's what you have, kind of have to do. You have to force it into being. And for many people, it's an endless. There's an endless string of tomorrows. Oh, I'll be. I'll do this someday. Oh, blah 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 blah. Set a start date. You don't have endless. You have a s- fixed number of tomorrows. You're holding so you yourself have, accountable. You are holding yourself mm-hmm. accountable. Um, so the, the, as far as the money goes, there's uh, two things. One, make them super fucking cheap. Make them really really cheap. And so we make these films very inexpensively. And how do you? But how do you? What, what does are that some mean? Key elements that can help you make a film really cheap, and that's stuff like you, keeping it all in one location. You keep the crew, small you keep crew, small. Yeah. Well, are you got the digital digital technology has made this very right. 
Oh, you, on. Is John okay. on? Digital technology has made this way easier. Yeah. You know, you don't need a giant camera. You don't You're need, not running you don't, out of film. You, don't need, you need one camera person. You don't need three. You don't need a clapper loader to keep notes for the lab and someone to load the mags. Right. So, and because these cameras are, you can shoot in with less light. So you have less gear. So really the trick is to keep it small and to keep your footprint small and to keep your, your crew small. I remember we had people like going, I'll come volunteer. I'm like, let me know what day because we don't want to have too many of you here because we only have so many parking spaces. We have no production vehicles except when we absolutely need them. You keep it tiny. Yeah. And you, you, um, and you, um, and we're willing to gorilla certain things. You keep it small. And there's a, there's a, the, the way we kind of work, I wrote, actually wrote an article about this. I, th I think for SAG Indy, you can look it up about how to sort of tailor your crew for micro budget. It's like for a, a big Hollywood production, it's an army. For us, it's commandos. It's very yeah. small, and the little crew, Navy SEAL operation yeah, getting is. in there, and fucking special ops. And the crew sure. breathes in size as you go. Like on favor, there were days where it was just me and an actor. Wow! Literally, day ten, like I'm gonna grill this stuff with one actor, no. and then I'm gonna grill this stuff with the next actor, and we have no sound crew, and that's it, and it's just me and the camera, and that was all. And that was a full day of production. We had like we signed them in, signed them out, but. That was it. As opposed to when we shot in the desert, that was a big, big balloon to like 15 because we had special effects. You needed we had, tents. You needed... A, we needed all these different things. Yeah. And so we had we needed more hands on deck for that. And so you, you breathe the crew. And um, But can I ask you guys a question? Yeah. Uh, and, and I, you know, I've been around the micro budget stuff a lot in my tenure out here. But the one, the danger in the micro budgets, yeah. as great as it also sounds, is I'm curious how you guys managed this because it really does matter. What you manage behind the scenes ultimately has effect as to what you see on the camera. And a lot of times people, yes. get, they start with the micro budgets. They understand, as a producer, you're saying, listen, this is what it's going to be. And then they get there and some people sour because it's not the big Hollywood thing that they moved out here for. It's just kind of a human condition. So how do you manage that? Because a lot of people will always come in and go, yeah, I don't care. I don't, I don't know. We and haven't then, had that problem. No. Not yeah. with anybody. But you have to be, well, then it, then a lot of it has to do with who you hire then. Yeah, 100%. On, right? like I, must be. You no, know, you have connections already. Yeah. With these that. last three films we did, Favor, Crew Hearts, and the new one we just shot, like, our crew was amazing. Like, am amazing. But Most they got to be okay with that style of filmmaking. They are. 100%. Yeah, yeah. We, but they're, I mean, they're amazing. Like I said, uh, I made the comment about special ops. We bring in people, very talented people that can dabble in all kinds of areas on right. the set and well, people are and people people are confident in what's going to come out visually i think as we're filming it um and I, I think i know where you're going with you know what people might think or anticipate this thing should look like in terms of you know it's got to have all the bells and whistles and glitz and glamour of some of these films that you might see that have like 10 15 20 200 million dollar budgets but um we, I mean, first of all, you have to have a really good story. Paul's a great writer, so Why, that was you. that was the first thing that we knew we had in in the bag. If you have a chance, watch Favor. I mean, just the story alone uh, drives that film and just makes it so entertaining to watch. You know, I think there's different layers that people, when they're watching a film, that they go through. They go through the story, or maybe there's not a really good story, but visually it looks really entertaining, um, or the sound is really cool. But um, I think everybody's on the same page when we're involved in the, at least in our group, 
we're on the same page of what yeah. we think we're putting out, and we're very confident. Do you and bring we, in and people and that are experienced, that are looking for a side gig? Is it a combination of people that maybe, like, friends. a perfect example would be like, you know, I've been an art director for years now, and I just don't have any production designer things under my belt or whatever. Are you bringing in those people, too, so they're... They work on bigger budgets, but they need to work on the smaller one in order to get the credit or the experience in another area. Like, what's your ideology as far as people that you like to work so, some, with? Sometimes that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that. Sometimes people who just want, like, our costume designer on the last three movies, uh, she had she had done it for theater, but she and she gone to design school, but she never really done costume design on a movie. And so uh, Katie, who was our UPM on that film, brought her brought her on board, and she did the film for us and did a great job. But it was her first movie as a costume designer, and then she started working as a costume designer. And when we made Cruel Hearts, I started we started crewing up, and she wrote to me and she goes, "How come you haven't asked me to come back as costume designer?" And I said, "Because it's the same, similar pay scale as as favors, nothing, yeah. very 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 you know peanuts, maybe a little bit more, but not much. Um, you know, I didn't think you'd want to. I think I, you've moved past it. Would you want to come back?" And she's like, Are "You kidding me? Of course I want to come back." And so she came back and did the next film with more, but the same job with more experience. And she came back again for Fluorescent Beast. With more, she just likes working on our movies. But um, that's sort of the idea is that you find somebody who's new at something or you find somebody who is, does it but wants to, needs the credit to move up. Do you guys, with the creative, when you're putting these types of I mean, you're talking about the micro budgets, um, share if you want to share the budgets. You don't have to if you want to keep it secret. But that being said, did you budget appropriately or did you ever find yourselves in situations creatively where you had to make an adjustment because of the micro budget after the fact we pretty much we pretty much stayed on budget yeah i i, I used to be a, an, a my early 20s i was an assistant director i was an ad okay so i've i know how, on like on my first one i worked on was like a five million dollar movie so i know how to run a set i know how to stay on schedule i know how to budget my day and, and build a schedule and so I don't have an AD on these movies. I mm -hmm. do all that myself. Um, I do all the live standing up AD work myself because to me it's an extension of what I'm doing anyway. Um, as long as you're okay with it, I'm really fine with it. I know. I know the. That's, I, that's kind of that's interesting though. I don't think yeah. a lot of directors would want to have to deal with that kind of shit. And there's always an onset producer who does the paperwork side of it because sure. I physically can't create the call sheets and things for the next day and, and have all that do all that the exhibit G. I just can't do it. Yeah. But because I'm physically up doing other things. So we we divide those duties and absorb that job into what we do, um, but yeah, it's I find it a natural extension. And I also, you know, do your homework. Like I, we run the sets tight, and I know how to, I know how to do it. So you know I know what shots every you want. I have, you know where you're going. You I, see this thing in your head. Any day, any day on production on a, on a yeah. set, if you go to my back pocket, there's a big thick wad of paper. It's my storyboards, yep. and um, uh, paperclip to my shot lists bu I built from them. And I've, and I, on the back of that, I've taken the shot list and I've written the order down I want to shoot them in. So I've done all my homework the night before. So usually I don't have to re even refer to it because I already know. I'll go in and check things off sure. for fun. Because it but, feels good. Because it feels yeah. good. But I usually know what it is. And so we're able to stay. And then Jay is also super prepared. So yeah. we're able to stay on budget and on schedule. And we also, so if you're moving and you're getting shot, that shit shot and you're moving along. And also we rehearse the actors. We do rehearsals before. If we can, so they before, days before, or days before, okay, like yeah. weeks before, like they've already worked out these scenes. So that's great because that's less annoyance for them. not everybody they gets the opportunity in. to do that. Joe. that that that's we you know what I mean? 
You did. Because we Smart. go, we go, A, we go, here. So remember we did this thing before? Here's A, here's B, here's C. And so. You already have it in your head. How sometimes the sometimes you to have to really rethink the scene. It doesn't working, but usually you can adapt the blocking you've already established. So you're ready to go very quickly. Yeah. If you're moving and you're staying on schedule and you're being decisive, I would say being decisive is better than being right. You're being decisive. People feel like things are getting done, and, yeah. and their time there is being valued. And nobody likes the unsure guy. Nobody, right. likes, nobody that. likes the unsure guy. So, and that makes the that producer's job miserable because if the director is like always wishy washy, then oh, the producer just spends this guy's not wishy washy. Like no. he knows what he wants, and yeah. he goes after. I'll realize I fucked up halfway through a, a yeah. setup, and I'll just change it. <laughs> yeah, and no one, to do, no one has to know that shit. And no one has to know that shit. Like, you know what? I'm moving the camera over here. Okay, good. Now we're on the next one. We are okay. Great. You know. I was I was going to make a comment about uh, working with micro budgets and you know a, yeah. a story. So Paul had a, a great idea for a shot uh, for oh, one Jesus. of our for one of our characters in the movie where the camera goes over his head. Oh yeah, and gets this really cool, like interesting perspective. And um, we could have rented a JL Fisher. Um, we could have gotten a boom arm. All stuff. JL Fisher's a dolly. A dolly, yeah. yeah. It, it might have cost us like fifteen hundred bucks. And I was thinking about it, and I was, and we were looking at the shot, um, the idea of the shot, and I thought I can go to Home Depot and I can build this for like forty bucks. So I went to Home Depot. I got some two by fours. I got some swivels. I got uh, you know some other random pieces of wood. I put a uh, uh, mount on it. We put the camera on it. Didn't quite work the way we thought it was going to work. I went back to Home Depot. I spent less money, so I spent twenty-one bucks. I bought some PVC pipe. I bought some, you know, uh, some spigot, uh, like a nozzle, like hose. nozzle, hose nozzles, whatever. You making bongs? Uh, okay. Yeah, right. yeah. This is exactly like sounds like and uh, or, a, or a potato gun. <laughs> I'm not really sure. Meth lab and looked like and a potato made, gun. And he made a and he made a dolly. And I put uh, I put the mount on there again, and it worked like a charm. And it's in the movie, you know. And the whole thing cost us less than seventy bucks Dude, to get that shot. Look at that. You know. You're now the that's MacGyver a u- of set. Right. right. As I say, that's <laughs> that's a um, that's a unique producer perspective to do that. But that that does fit the. Indie style yeah, of, of producing and filmmaking kind of mentality. But just out of curiosity, though, like for you, I know that uh, uh, I'm assuming still to this point, the primary of your money comes from locations, and and we always used to joke. Yeah. I came from locations too. The locations you would think would be the most natural movement from that to producer, and it actually is not. Which I've always found very interesting that most a lot of location managers don't eventually become producers. They stay in the location I management side of it. I think that's my choice, though. I don't know. I, I always, I often wondered about it because you're so engaged. You're engaged in, ev- you're in everybody's business. You have to be. Yeah, 100%. So I look at it like, don't you think, for you, that was a huge, and especially when it comes to problem solving, good yeah. God. Well, if there's one department that gets the brain thinking all the time, time, it's you, right? Yeah, it totally made sense for me to go that direction just because I'm dealing with, I'm dealing with every department, you know, when I'm working on a big production. And I have to know what every department's kind of dealing with, you know, on a daily basis. So um, it it was just it was easy for me to make that transition from well, location straight it's into not producing. even a transition. It's just a matter of you changing know, titles, of basically. Changing words. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Changing words, yeah. no yeah. shit. Because like, yeah. I'll say this because he probably wouldn't, but like, I've worked, on, you know, I've worked on Punked from the beginning, and then I I'm I'm working as locations on this new Quibi season, but like. As a producer, several times, Jay came in and was like, hey, I know what you guys want to do, but I found this place, and if we did this, and we did this, and we did this, it could mean this. And everyone's like, oh, no, that's a bit. We're doing that. So, like, 
he would like sort of write and then have to you know deal with the location of basically produce making it happen it was like it's not a far you're still it's doing the same leap, thing yeah. yeah you're not cuz even when you were on cruel hearts like you're producing but like you're also the guy walking around picking up fucking soda cans going come on guys you can't leave this shit just laying around like <laughs> you're still doing your location man shit it's right. like well I'm on or, cruel or just a human Jay thing wear a lot of hats yeah 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 you know, but Jay, Jay wore uh, I mean art direction uh props uh catering like yeah. you, you and I are picking up trash after lunch yeah yeah you guys should I mean, hire that, care that, that's the other props. thing the other aspect of working on micro budget stuff is like you know you're if you're 15 people or 8 people you're all part of the same team doing the same thing trying to move that ball forward trying to move yeah. that ball forward and it's not you're not just focused in one little area oh cuz john told me that you drove around on a scooter and just uh, on one of those like and, hover and, rounds and, and, and just, just pass judgment on everybody. He's on a rascal and, and, a and, rascal. and he yells through a bullhorn. Hey, pick up that trash. <laughs> hey. What Boy. trash? The stuff I just threw on the ground. Now pick it My up. My trash. Go. The trash I'm leaving behind me. Pick it up. <laughs> I, I God, you're a, a dick. I worked on a, uh, a John Travolta movie when I was 20. There he is. And, yeah. And uh, we, were, we were shooting in, in Miami. We were shooting in a place called Overtown, which is basically the Watts of Miami. Like where all the riots are in Miami. It's Overtown. Okay. It's a sketchy, very dangerous part of town, especially if you're white. So we shoot, we're shot for like 16 hours, and we're in the back. We're, we're wrapping up. We're PAs, and the UPM is like, hey, guys, I got one more thing for you to do. Put the trash in my uh, pickup truck and get rid of the trash. Like, okay. So we throw Ooh. the truck. We get in the car. He just starts driving around Overtown. Where Looking we've been for places to throw garbage? Let's throw mm-hmm. in his big, big fucking six-and-a-half-foot-tall white dude. In a big white Bronco, pre OJ, but yeah. big white Bronco, with big white trash bags in the back and two white guys in the front with them, ready, dropping like, off body parts left and right. Pretty much what it feels like in a like, very right? angry yeah. black neighborhood on like a Saturday night at like three in the morning, and justifyingly so, by the way. Yeah, so he finds like like he stops in front of a bar, he's like wait, wait, and there's like people like, junkies start coming. I was like, no, no, he moves, and so eventually I'm like really like, exhausted, and eventually he finds some like alley. And he's just jumping out of his alley. Let's go. We're throwing the bags in the alley. And some dude comes out with like a like a, a cleaver. He's like, hey guys. Yeah. Chasing after us. We like run with the bags are exploding because we're full of wet stuff. Uh, we jump back in the car. We're laughing. The guy like boom, floors it. And we get out of there. And uh, me and the other PR are laughing because we thought we were gonna die. Yeah. And we're like, anything else? And he looks and he this guy has no humor in his face, whatever. He looks out the side mirror. And one of the bags exploded on the side of the truck, and he goes, "You guys need to find some shit to wipe the side of my truck off." Jesus. Yeah. By the way, who's that's just not, that's, driving around dumping trash in the streets assholes, to get rid of holes? That's this is, a, this is the this is the, well, this is the unit production manager in this movie who didn't have a place to deposit the trash or production. What Travolta movie was this? This is called Chains of Gold. Chains of Gold. John Travolta, Joey Lawrence, Mary Lou Henner, Hector Elizondo, Benjamin Bratt. You had oh. me at. Joey Lawrence? None of this. I think, <laughs> I think we have the Miami PD on the phone right now. They actually want to know about this. Uh, They're like, we events. are uh, following up on a cold case, some garbage from 1992. I, I had to babysit and, uh, Joey Lawrence. We were in, we were in Watts. And How long, old was he at the... When was thir- this? 13. Uh, it night, mid-90s? 89. 89. Oh, 89. Okay. 89. Oh, long, yeah. I was still in college. I had to... Uh, yeah, I was on my, on my summer break. Were you, oh, so was, were you, were you, you lived in Miami at the time? Yeah. Were you going to, to college a, a university Miami. I was of offered, cocaine? Okay, yes. You yeah, were. I was okay, offered good. a job, actually, on BL Striker, because they liked my work so much on, on uh, as a PA on this movie. 
And I was like, I gotta, I gotta finish college. And they were so offended that I would turn down BL Striker. <laughs> never get a job. What's BL Striker? It that... was John, it was a Burt Reynolds uh, crime time TV show. Oh, I like how they're like, hold on, hold on. You're passing up for what? An education. Doing, you doing lockdowns and, putting, and and running with trash. Wait, you want your a parents degree? Pay, your parents spent eighty thousand dollars on the first three years of your college, and you could throw that away for to pick up to pick, to pick L- up. Fucking strike to hold John Travolta's coffee cup. Hold Burt Reynolds' coffee cup. You could do that, and your parents could hate you forever. I don't understand what the choice is. Why choose Reynolds? And if I'm not mistaken, you were going to the University of Miami in the peak of the Jimmy Johnson years. Probably Michael Irvin was there, and it was just that's back when they were the really the the U, right? Jimmy Johnson left in '88, but they were still pretty good back then, right? Erickson took over after that. I lived. I lived directly across the street from the football player apartments. But they owned that town, right, back then? Yes. Yes. It okay. was they did not go to class. There was one there was I met one like third stringer who had to go to class. He was in a psychology <laughs> class with me. And he was so fucking pissed he had to go to class. He's like, I'm a third stringer, I have to go to class. They all got like have a good week checks and they had a, they had their own separate cafeteria and they didn't have to go to class. And during finals they would just drag race down the street and rape people. It was amazing. Yeah. If you watch the Aaron Hernandez documentary, and you'll understand a lot of these things. That, right. Don't watch the U on ESPN because that pretty much glamorizes no, it. it but was, it was the one time they one time the football players got a little rowdy and they broke their cafeteria. I don't know what that means. How do you but break, they, well, they broke, broke their cafeteria. cafeteria and they had to use our our disgusting plebe regular rank and file ninety nine percent person cafeteria and they had a, but they sep- they they redesigned it. They had a separate line for the football players. Yeah, very special people. So they got like. Mignon and like ham, fresh ham off the thing. Here's your tofu and dog and applesauce. Like, we got our usual like great F beef. Yeah, like and a lot of people. The airplanes rejected this food. If you here, might want you it. eat it. Yeah. And we'll move back to the movie, but there, but I just uh, to put a button on that. Yeah. A lot of people get really upset because of all that stuff happens in college, and it's like sorry to tell you, but the amount of millions upon millions of dollars that 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 labor brings into that entertainment labor brings Dude, into those schools, which sports. is why they do that for those guys, because it's the follow the shiny thing over here so we don't have to pay they when, don't when, when you limp for the rest of your life and you don't kids. go to the NFL and all that stuff. It's pretty sad, but whatever. They don't give a so, fuck about those kids. Well, they care Vinny about Test- money. Those kids bring in money. Vinny Testaverde. Vinny was the big star while I was there. And it was Wait, great. he was still going to school there? Yeah. Yeah, I think like he was earlier year. than that. Okay. No, and he got he got his um he had his contract for the NFL and he literally was like, Fuck you and I remember him tearing out of the fucking Hilarious <laughs> parking lot. He's like, Fuck you all like I don't give out any of my degree, I got my deal. Vinny Testaverde. Vinny Testaverdes. <laughs> I actually had a lot of respect for him, I'm like you you know it's bullshit. Your degree here is not an actual degree. You're an employee of the school. Yeah. And you're here to you're in the promotion. They know. It's always been like that. I, I wouldn't know. mind actually I wouldn't mind at all if they would use the money that they made the, the billions. I mean the school had so much money. Yeah. The money that they made from the football team and applied it to helping, say, you know, underprivileged students. Oh, you're so cute. You know, or extending whatever. Put it, put it, put it no, towards education. They're buying more footballs. But they just put it towards No, they're their buying more cocaine books. parties on boats. And oh, you're oh so God, cute. Oh, my God. There was one kid, because this was, I started school in 86, and Miami Vice was really huge. <laughs> and just living was, Miami Vice in college. And dude. my parents bought me the white Miami Vice thing. And when I got down there, I'm like, I'm never fucking wearing this piece of shit. I'm or never wearing it. Right. There was one kid, there was one kid with big Coke ball glasses. And like his mom had bought him a Miami Vice, a Don Johnson Miami Vice thing, but it wasn't white. It was lime goddamn green. That fits the oh scene. Oh my right? god. Off brand. And he I remember him moving shit from his car 
and he's wearing the jacket and the whole bit. He's dressed like Don Johnson, but the lime green jello version of Don Johnson, moving these huge like trunks up the stairs. It was unbelievable. Oh my god. Did everybody just stop at one point, look at each other, and go, okay, so we're all Miami Vice right now? Okay, good, great. It's like when guys come up and everyone's wearing the same like trucker baseball hat and like the the you know the um What's that uh, Ed Hardy clothes? And you're like, did you guys, anybody look at each other and go, we probably don't Yeah, there's a funny, exactly. Paul Palmieri, there's a funny sketch online about yeah. everyone's wearing a beanie. They all show up to go out and they all have beanies on. And everyone's like, hey, bro, we can't all go out in a beanie. This is weird. And he's like, well, I'm not taking mine off. I had a shitty hair day. He's like, well, dude, look at my hair. It's like, and they have this argument about who. <laughs> but why the funny I thing is, most wear. people don't have the arguments. They just don't see it. Dude, whenever like I, they, I used to, this used to happen a lot. I would have a shirt on and I would, somebody would show up and it would be like the same color, the same style. I'd be like, uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah. Like to me and Tim, that would happen to me and Ryan Brown. It happened to a couple of times. I was like, nah, we're not going out like this. We look like fucking idiots. Well, you're also hyper aware of the fact that there's a pretty good chance you're going to run into somebody you know that's going to go, hey, what's up with you two guys uh, looking the same? You know you're going to get You're getting it. your balls busted in yeah. one half second if two you seconds. show up dressed like another dude like what is this now huh you guys going to great america later i i'll i'll never forget my college roommate came home from a trip to colorado wow. and he was stoked stoned. about his new 700 cowboy boots and he put them on and we're like nope <laughs> no you will never wear those cowboy boots because you look like a loser in those cowboy boots Take and he never boots and show he them. was we i feel bad we were like so like no no don't feel we're bad, not gonna dude. let this happen you helped him out <laughs> Trust I mean, me. technically, he was never going to be an urban cowboy, so it wasn't, you know what I mean? Look, that was a $700 education you gave him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He learned a very, he learned a very expensive but lesson. He should have gone the other way. He should have committed. That's it. You either don't wear them or, that, you, or you fucking commit. That's it. If When your friends <laughs> don't like boots. something, go, oh, you don't like this? Oh, well, guess what? Now I'm going to amplify the right. fuck out of it and wear it every day. Like, so I wear you can go that I'm way. I'm putting glitter on these. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to make them neon so you have to look at them. Like, oh, I wear God. the same shit like every day. I wear, I mean, that's not the same exact thing, but I wear like a black movie t-shirt every day. And I wear, and when I go, I go, oh, I'm going to go out. I wear, okay, where is it the black button down on the black sweater? Yeah. Like, <laughs> keep that's it simple. It. That's it. I keep it fucking You're simple. You're nine and a half. I read yesterday, really. it was a, I was on, I was on Facebook and there was an article and it said people don't think about their clothes are smarter. So fuck you all. I'm so smart. And on I the also inside, say smart people swear a lot too. Fuck. On the inside of the Talking Heads album. Um, stop making sense live. There's the liner notes, and in there it says, "If you wear the same thing every day, people will remember you better." And for whatever reason, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was fucking awesome. I read that it's in college, true. and I was like, "That's true, man. If you wear it's the true. same thing." And for a long time, like going on stage, I had a, a short sleeve, Dickies button down, yeah, jeans, and that. white Converse <laughs> yeah. for a long time. And I remember at one point I was dating a girl. We were in an elevator in her apartment building, and she goes, "You know." I appreciate the look. I mean, it fits you. It's good, but you shouldn't be afraid to wear other clothes. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, she's trying to fix you. I was like, Yeah, yeah well, that's oh, you know, well, run. Nah, dude. Nah, I was like, Oh, yeah, maybe. And then, like, and now my wife dresses me and I go out and people are like, Oh my God, look at that. That looks good. And I'm like, Well, yeah, I know how to fucking wear clothes. I'm a 44 year old man. <laughs> <laughs> but really, it's like, I would still be like, Well, you don't like my Slayer t shirt? I want to come into your party. Like, dude, aren't you 44? Get the fuck out of here like see i wish my wife would actually address me because she's like she tried <laughs> but she's like ah you're a lost cause so she's very she's got a great sense of fashion and she always looks great and she puts on but she she, she auditions 43 outfits before we walk out the door 
So we're going somewhere, and I go, what oh, should yeah. I wear? I'm already Because I'm going to key off of her. Like, yeah, if you're going to dress a certain weight level, I'm going to match you. I don't want to be the schlub you walk in with, nor do I want to make you feel like the schlub. So I'm going to match you. You're the fashion person. You set the tone. And she's like, I don't fucking know what I'm going to wear. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna know what I'm gonna wear until we're 15 minutes late to walk out the door. Yeah. So you black have to walk down in. Well, so I'm like, ready. Ready. exactly. I go, no, wait, wait. But you remember, this is me. Is it t-shirt, button-down, or sweater? Yeah. Or is it black jacket? Like those are the levels. You know what goes with and everything? Go, uh, the color black. Should go t-shirt. Yeah. You know, or should go. Oh, you, you've sweater. already scored the win. You're you're gonna match whatever. It's because I'm a fat piece of you shit. You say black well, is slimming. And black is like, no. It's exactly what it's it is. Slimming. That and I have dark hair and. And, and pale skin, and it looks what is this, the vampire look. This is how I do things. I jump all over the place. But what is this film about, by the way? I know you want to do Good something. Question. Actually, I'll let the writer tell you. Did you make the decision that you were working with, regardless of what it was, or did you were you, hear what the movie was? Because you said I just want to work with this guy. Whatever it is, next It's kind of a dangerous thing to say if he's like the next thing is me in a I'm bathtub ma- I'm for four days. Snuff film, Ooh, that's and you're the, the producer. Well, I was fairly confident uh, yeah. after seeing Favor that uh, whatever he was writing was probably going to be pretty interesting. So, but you, I don't think you signed on until you did read it. Can though. you explain? It wasn't, yeah. like you, you wasn't like you said. Well, let me read it well, first. No, yeah, he right, gave it to me first. I said, here, yeah. I'm going to go two prong here. I'm sorry because you two keep prong. referencing Favor. What is Favor about that got you so interested that you assumed that he was going to write something that was going to fit that? Or be was good. it genre based, or was it like what was it about? Favre? It was it was an interesting spin. So a a good friend will help you move furniture. An even better friend will help you move a dead body. Okay, Fuck the film yeah, was based bro. on that idea. Yeah. Okay. So it's catchy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. How long was it? Was uh, it a feature length? Yeah, it's okay. 102 minutes. Okay. Yeah. All right. And so that so that's what is, is so are you genre based? So was it did, did this next one stay within a specific genre, or you had no idea? What? I had no idea what okay. I was going to be reading. So he sent me the script. Um, we talked. I said, "Hey, you know, I'd love favor. I'd love to, you know, work with you on whatever your next project is." He goes, "Well, I'm going to send you my script." So he sends me the script. I read it, um, and I read it with my wife actually, and we both were like, "This is pretty good." Jay's illiterate. So I immediately his hit wife him up read and it said, to him. You know, let's. Let's work together. Let's you know. Let's do this. And he had already had some plans in place that he had start sort of well, started I said, the. I said, do you want to do you want to jump on board as a producer? Because yeah. the producers on favor, Tiffany had was had just had a baby. Right. She was out, and Leslie was actually pursuing some other projects. She's like, I'll, I'll. My wife had produced favor as well, and she said, I'm, I'm working on this other thing. I'll I'll executive produce, but I can't I can't do day to day. So I think I asked Joe at that point. Right. And because he worked on favor as well as kind of my second hand, and then and then uh, you just I mean it made sense because yeah, you were you said I want to jump to producing. I said oh my god please yeah. please come on and produce the movie. Like and I knew fell into place. I knew what your perfect. experience level was. I'm like yeah. holy shit this is a score for me. So you read it. You kind of already knew that he knew how to write according to budget. Yes. Would you say that that would be a thing when you when you read it to know what you were going to get yourself into? And and and, th- and then I would like to know a little bit about what the actual movie is about that that gravitated you sure. towards it. I mean, you know, based on seeing uh, his previous movie, I already knew kind of, you know, uh, I knew we were going to be dealing with a micro budget. I knew that if the story was going to be interesting enough, that we're going to be able to pull it off and make it look cool. Mm-hmm. So when I read it, I you know, as soon as I read it, I was I was already having the wheels spinning in terms of like what were the locations going to look like, how was it going to feel, that kind of thing. And so then we started talking, and then uh, we got together, me, Joe, Paul, um, and we started discussing, you know, different avenues of, you know, locations and whatnot. And well, other things, too. Like, you know, Jay is very creative. And, um, in fact, I keep encouraging you to direct. 
Um, but he's very creative. And so I, I try to cultivate a creative atmosphere. For like sure. we're all going towards the, the same target. I tell you what the target is. My job is, is to be the filter. Not, I don't have to have the best idea. Best I, idea I wins. Have to, I just have to identify the best idea. There you okay, go. Well, not everybody that's thinks it. that way, but I'm but glad you brought that up. Because well, I was curious what kind of producer you saw yourself that's as. A, that's an ego, that's an ego thing where it's like, oh, but it has to come people, from me. But it some works people for like some that. I, 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 but I don't think that's the best way to like, listen, like bring on creative people. And if I can be the dumbest guy in the room, I've done my job right in terms of hiring. Yeah. I want to be the I want to be the idiot who's like I got that seemed good like and the thing is sometimes you do have to go you know what I'm the only one who thinks this is the right idea and sometimes you like the the group kind of all kind of knows but Jay's very creative so when he came on board and like immediately we started like, we had our first meeting at your pool mm-hmm. like at your on, at a table and we started going over locations and going through the script and you're like boom boom but I'm like oh my god like not only do you get the direction like the vision I have in my head of this movie. Oh, you've just improved that. You just improved that. You just improved that. You yeah. just improved that. Right. And we visited locations, and we were just visiting, like, we were visiting, we shot in a bar. We visited several bar locations. We visited several other locations for other things, and we walk in, and Jay would immediately go, no. Like, before I would, <laughs> he'd go, nah, I already go. Right. Are you like, where, where can we shoot? He's like, oh, Paul, where can we shoot this thing? And I'm like, I don't see a place to do that. I like the no. So it's interesting. Do you feel like your 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 muscle memory of walking into locations um, and for a lot of people won't understand this, but you're processing so much information at a higher rate than anybody else is. They're walking and going, oh, there's bar stools at a bar, and you're going... You're like, dude, there's only one exit. We can't move over here. Yeah, we can't is hide that what's happening no in your head immediately. immediately? How are we going to get five I, people in here? I feel like Jason Bourne. You know, I'm looking yeah. for all the exits. You're like, no, you're like the Terminator, but that dude. Matters. You're like, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, I'm it, thinking about, like, how can this place be lit? You know, is it going to be easy to do that? Um, Where's the power going to come from? Where's the... There's look, yeah, and then there's yeah. functionality. Like, yes. can you actually yes. make the day? Can right. you can you accomplish everything you need to? Not just what... not what shows up on yeah, camera. The, the frame is literally like a half a percent of the day. Yeah. Like what's in the frame, like th- uh, if you'd panned back on that, it would be, even with nine people, you still need a place to eat lunch. You still need a place for right. people to take yeah. shits. You still need a place I'm thinking about park. like yeah. goofy yeah. things like, um, are we going to pull in and piss off this neighbor across the street? Are we going to, you know... Nope. Yeah, you are pretty cognizant of like the surrounding areas of Yeah, because it messes up the day, which messes up the creative, yeah. which ultimately... Right. Slows you, you down. Don't, it slows you down, or you don't, or you hurry up a shot, right. and you don't get what you wanted, and you're disappointed in post because you're like, I remember that day. Like, you watch it and post and go, I know why this looks this way, because of this, this, and yeah. this, and this that yeah. happened behind the camera. You have to also be flexible when you're shooting, and, you know, on the, on, on the one we just shot this summer... Um, we were shooting in a hotel, and we had a whole scene that was written to be outside at the pool at night. And so that was the second half of our day. The first half of the day was, was daylight. We were shooting inside. A company lunch. We go outside. We shoot the pool thing. And so we're out there, and we keep, th- we keep, threatening, keep threatening to rain. Like, like a couple days before, it's 20% chance of rain. Next day before, 30% chance of rain. That day, it's like 50% chance of rain. We're like, shit. And it's not raining, but we, the chances keep going up. But it doesn't actually <laughs> keep happening. So Everyone's looking at the weather so app like a fucking going gambling down, And we're like, okay, look, let's just, we got to, sh- this is the time we to shoot this scene. So we start lighting it, and it's a tough mother to light. Like, you're outside of the pool. But we want that look with the pool lighting everything, and we've got, we're hiding lights in the little overhead things. And we finally have it lit, and it opens up. Of course. And we're like, shit. And so we're grabbing all the gear out, <laughs> and pulling all the lights out, running as a, a, an alcove we can kind of hide them in. And we're like, and, the, and they're kind of like, when are we, when's it going to you know, lighten up? And I literally like, we can't shoot it here. 
So this hotel has been very best. Was a Best Western in yeah. what was it? Chatsworth. It or? was in uh, Simi mm. Valley. Simi Valley. Yeah. So Best Western, by the way, like it's like it's like three Except or four. This is the, the this second. This is my third. Is it your third? Because ten? ten till noon we shot in the Best Western. Oh, there you go. Then in like. Farm, so this is really a Best Western trilogy. Really, <laughs> right? They're, exactly. they're so That's good. It's known as the Best Western so, trilogy. <laughs> they're so cooperative, though. Yes, 100%. They're like, how can? What can we do? So we literally. It was at night on like a weekday, and so I, I me and the the gaffer and I walked through and we're like looking around and we first we thought about the bar and like no we're going to close the bar legally you can't be in here after a certain hour so we found the the lobby and we we like there was a roaring fire and no one in the lobby so we figured out we could kill the Music over the speakers, and we just lit to the lobby, and we barely made our day under twelve. But I mean, we made it. Wow! Um, we had to re- rethink the entire scene, reblock it for that. You thing. basically on the fly created a cover set. Yeah, and actually, it looks really for great. Sure. We it have a, we great. have a, f- a roaring fire behind one of our characters. But you kind of ha- again micro budget. You have based to be, on time. You have, you have to, to be. be you, what happens if always needs yeah. to well, be a part of it? Well, and also let's go back to being prepared. The actors were prepared. We rehearsed that scene. At a they could have done like it anywhere. They could have done it in the yeah. bathroom they, together. Exactly. They would have been yeah. exactly. I think the, the actress was disappointed she didn't get to smoke. That was her big because <laughs> she's a mom. She just had a kid, and she's like, I, she used to keep, she gave up smoking to, when she became pregnant. She's like, I got to smoke in this scene. But when we moved it inside, there was no more smoking, so it became mm-hmm. a coffee scene. She was very upset about so that. Here, but here's, a, here's a mess. She's upset about coffee. I love coffee. Uh, yeah, she's like, oh, but she can have coffee, but she can She couldn't have. Right, she's like, right. I get to smoke it every take. But, uh, do you find um, this is going to sound weird, but do you guys get a little bit of a cheap thrill out of being able to make an adjustment on the fly, um, even though it's not the most ideal scenario? Does, do you feel fact. like an adrenaline kick in because you were able to pull off something that was not planned, it was not part of the game afterwards? Okay, never during, yeah. <laughs> never during. My favorite scene in Favor is a, a, a six-minute scene where these two guys are arguing in a parking lot outside at night. And we had blocked the whole thing in rehearsal ex- exhaustively. Because one guy's walking to his car, the other guy's at his car, he surprises the other guy, he walks over to his car, and they, they argue, he walks back, and as he pushes him, there's a whole a lot of logistics to it. Like I think it was like 16 setups. It was nuts. And we had half a night to shoot it at night in this parking lot, because we shot the first half inside this building, second half outside. Blocked the whole thing, and we're dealing with like street lights and our lights, and we don't have a lot of lights, so we're doing the shadows, and... So we get there, we block it, we, we block, we set the blocking the way we had rehearsed the blocking, and it does not work. It does not flow. It does not make sense. The actors are fighting the blocking, and I was like, fuck, we have to figure this out. So I said, look, and we, and we sh- were shooting this film handheld camera, which made it easier to do this, but I said, look, let's do it once the way you would just do it. And then let's do it again the as way you would do it. As naturally as humanly possible. Do it, na- do it what feels, <laughs> just do what feels natural, and I'm going to watch. And so I basically put the, so I, I, we mic'd him up. I put the camera way far back. I did a massive wide, wide shot. Nice, yeah. And I let him do it twice. And I kind of learned it. But I'm like, I can always go back to this. And then I said, okay, I'm going to do another one. Do it again. I'm going to follow you with the camera. And we're, shadows are going to be shitty. We're going to get boom in the, but I'll. But you'll be I'll, able to use chunks of it I'll here and there. Pieces of it. Yeah. Let's shoot it again. And this allowed me to really learn it. And then I had to, on the fly, come up with a new shot list in my head. Because whatever they stop, that's. You, you, whenever anybody, whenever anybody's scene where people are moving, when you stop, that's a new scene essentially. Yeah. Effectively, you have to have your close-ups or your mediums, your singles, in both those new places, and then you have to have the wide to get them there. And then when they move, you have a moving shot. And then you, they stand, land over here. Now you have these other ones. And if there's something emotional that happens, you want to have 
a, a looser single and a tighter single so you can punch in on the, so you have all these different things you have to think about. And they had like four or five different places, plus a gag where he knocks them over. On the fly, I had to come up with, okay, this is where they stop now, this is where they stop now, this is where they stop now, and think of all, and, and just, you know, go, go, go. We got all, I think we ended up being like 20 setups, because I had, had to add some, but we got it all before, you know, before the sun came up. Dude. And, and it, was, it, was, it was stressful as balls, but it's my favorite scene in the movie because <laughs> after the fact, I was really thrilled that we, we were able to do that because it feels really alive, first yeah. of all, because they're following their natural inclination and we were able to make it work on the day. But at the time, I was like, this fucking sucks. I hate myself. You know what you're describing? But you're also like however many days into filming and already, you're already, like, you're not just directing something like that. You're invested in it 1,000%. So it's like everything else piles up at that situation. And also, you don't react. You're not, you don't walk around knocking shit over and yelling like, why? You know, the rest of the crew looks at you and goes, Oh, we, we'll figure this. Look, he's thinking about it. We'll get there. Yeah. We'll figure it out. It's just a matter of time. And yeah, I'm trying to be the hardest working person on set, and that's on purpose. But one, because I want to get things done. But two, yeah, you need things to because move. if you're if you're working hard, people want to work hard. Also, by the way, just so you Boom. know, you're, what you described is a film a, a filmmaker's version of what it's like for a woman to go through pregnancy. <laughs> they hate it the whole time. They create this beautiful thing, yeah. and then they say never again. And then they have three more. Right. Right? That's kind of like independent filmmaking, right? It's the right. same thing. Yeah, I'm never doing that again. Why the hell am I doing this? What did, I, what did you do to me? I never yeah. see never right? again because I'm always like, here's, here's my thing. It's like, by the end of like editing. Selective memory. By the end of, the end of editing, I hate the fucking movie. Oh, yeah. You've seen it a million uh, times. I've seen it more than any human hey. could. Oh, yeah. Dude, this is garbage. And it took me a couple of films to like realize that's what Because I'm like, because I'm like, I did a documentary back about 10 years ago, and when that screened, I was like, I drank myself into a coma during the screening because I was like, I hate this so much. This is a disaster. And the people screen, were like, oh, this is great. The screening went <laughs> through the roof, according to my publicist. But I, I, I was asleep. I had like, I went to like, I went to like, Kidney failure, like I turned yellow. It was congratulations. Fucking horrible. Yeah, <laughs> good for you. So like, I hate it. But but what keeps me? But so I start thinking about the next movie while the last one's going. I'm like, I really want to do anything else, anything other than this. And then I come up with a new idea, and then I kind of bank that for the next one. So I'm already thinking about. I, 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 if I was a okay, it, it, the pregnant woman analogy works if if it, if it was a guy's libido attached to it. Get this kid out of me so I can start fucking again. Mm-hmm. That would be. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's great. Yeah, that's that I like How that. How soon is my perineum gonna heal so I can get some dick in me? Like yeah. yeah. If it was a male libido, that would be. Before we run out of time, so let's talk specific. <laughs> well, we we well, I, I want to make sure. Let's talk specifically, and that was that was. Oh, okay. Anybody, is anybody still listening after that last comment? Oh, no, yeah. No, oh, yeah. My mom listens the to the whole thing. Up. She's yeah. already Straight. fucking offended. John's right? mom is taking notes. Yeah, she's like, so this guy wants to get a bunch of she dick She will in. have questions. Got it. <laughs> got it. Paul the dick lover. Got yeah, it. Get any, get any dick. If my mom was listening, which she doesn't, my mom and my wife don't listen to anything I do, but that's okay because that's why they still love me. And the thing is, if my mom was listening... She would just start clipping things out of good housekeepings that was related to it and start mailing me like, "Well, I heard what you were talking about about the penises and the vaginas." Yeah, and here's an article and I saw about this thing in good housekeeping dude, about that. She that wouldn't I thought go, you might be interested in. It's a photocopy yeah, version of it because my mom she won't give forward a link, but she will definitely cut something out of the paper. Yes. My mom, my mom. Hey, I thought oh you could enjoy God. this. Like, this here's is a, a clipping. Newspaper. What is this? What am I doing with this? So I don't want. want me to, this. So you want me to recycle this? Thanks <laughs> yeah. for sending it. Just make sure you're sending clippings. The Mitch Hedberg thing. Who doesn't love good clipping? Me a flyer. It's like them saying here you. 
you throw this away? <laughs> so, <laughs> so what's the movie? The movie, about? yes. What yes. is the movie? You want me to, to yeah, describe? Yeah, go ahead. All right, you so wrote this thing. I, you know? I did. I, I'm so, sort of familiar with this. This just in. You <laughs> wrote so this. Cruel thing. Hearts is a. It's a. It's a, th- it's a thriller like thriller. Favor, Okay. But it's more of a film noir. Okay. So I wanted to play with the idea of sort of the tr- the traditional sort of film noir love triangle. You have like the successful but dangerous kind of man who's, and then you have his wife who's a little too pretty for him, and then you have her young lover. But what if the motivations were a little different? So in this case, it's about the guy. It's kind of about the, the young lover. He doesn't realize, he starts sleeping with this woman and he doesn't realize she's married. And then he finds out, and oh, by the way, she's married to a mob guy, a mob boss. And she's like, he's like, oh, I know this guy is shit. I don't want to. So he's worried about his safety. So he decides to get ahead of the problem. Instead of like looking over his shoulder the rest of his life, waiting for the other shoe to drop, he goes to this guy and he tells him. And he says, I didn't know she was married, but my God, I've been sleeping with your wife and, and, and kind of begs for forgiveness. And it works. The guy doesn't kill him. And they form this kind of um, strange friendship relationship. Does she know? Or I don't, you don't want to give away too she much? Don't, does she, I don't want to give away too much. All does right. she know he te- he, he's yes. telling him? No. Okay. She doesn't know he's, he's spilling the beans in that. It's the, the opening scene of the movie. Where does this right? no come from, from, from the mind of you? Where does this come from? How do you start that process of coming up with that I specifically? This one I don't know. This one, well, I've always loved film noir. And so... Um, the idea of playing in the sandbox, but I wanted to tell because the film's told from three different points of view. Mm-hmm. It's told from from the point of view of the husband, the wife, and the lover, mm-hmm. and I just the idea of kind of I don't know the idea of a three hander like that. Three hander, there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of hands. Also, a, it, you know, it, yeah, it's a gestalt. Like I, the again, I wrote the I wrote this movie for the three leads for Patrick Day, for Bonnie Root, and for Alev Aden. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had them in my head, and I was trying to come up with a story, and this is what sort of came up. And the whole thing, if you look at it, the whole thing really is a, a, a sort of an allegory for the functionality of marriage. Uh, but I want to, again, I can't get into why. That's fine. If you see the film, you can see it. But we come out on February 11th. Well, I'm not sure when. The day, this will be this? tomorrow. It'll be. All right, so Feb- it comes out tomorrow. No, yeah, exactly. Well, it, it, it'll be out. It's, uh, it'll be out. But and Feb- you should just watch it. February it's available. 11th. It's accessible. Put- February yes. 11th, well, Where? It's, uh, all flavors of VOD. Oh, so okay. iTunes, Amazon Prime, Voodoo, uh, YouTube movies, all the pay per view flavors, Cox, ATT, whatever. Basically, you have. if you can't find it, you're an idiot. Blu ray, <laughs> DVD. <laughs> yes. It's called Cruel Hearts. You type it in your thingy and it ought to pop up. Select theaters, yes. Oh, select yeah. theaters. We in some select theaters. Nice, nice. Uh, so, yeah. So, and, and if you actually, if you get, if you buy or rent, the film on iTunes opening day, mm-hmm. uh, and you send you email us a, any kind of proof of purchase can be like it's a screen cap of your of your thing that says rented or bought. If you send to us on on February 11th or before, if you pre order it, uh, and you send it to us, we'll send you back a link to our behind the scenes documentary Mean Spleens. Oh, so it's only available through this offer. It's oh. like a, all these outtakes, behind-the-scenes stories, craziness. You can see Jay going insane. Oh. Uh, is, there a, is there a clip of that? Because I might pay just to see that. Well, you, I, don't you see it live every day when you I work do, with them? I do, I okay, do. What are you driving on grass? What? what are you doing, idiots? We haven't said this yet, John. You're in Cruel Hearts. I am. Well, my, well that was going to be a question for later. I was going to be like, what? Was I in what it? What was your process? <laughs> <What's> <laughs> my question? So you made a movie. Now, my question, am I in it? <laughs> you are uh, in the film. <laughs> What's hilarious, John? So John, well, My first so question John, is always, am I in this? <laughs> John's bit is an improvised little scene. Because yeah. I don't fucking take notes from anybody, and I won't do anybody's line. There he <laughs> is. There was, was nothing scripted for your scene, so it was you and Don Brody who plays Sal, 
you guys improvise a little bit. And it, it's really, actually, really, it's one of my favorite. It's the first thing I cut when I was editing the film. Cut it out. It's the first thing I cut out and threw and it's the first thing I edited <laughs> together. <laughs> and it's my, it's like my favorite part of the whole movie because it's just kind of alive and kind of fun. But you guys improvise this thing. You came up with the, with the lines, and then you and then you improvise it multiple takes. So it was the same lines, but sure, you came sure, up with it on yeah. the fly. And there's one take where it went off the rails. Where you just Uh-oh. guys, you guys went off in the weeds in another direction, and I saved that clip to put in in means planes. Yeah, but we ended up needing an additional something to separate uh, two uh, scenes later in the movie. There's a scene outside the bar, and another scene right afterwards outside the bar. And as written, they go they go right back to back. But it felt weird. I needed something some buffer, so I actually took the the, the thing where you guys screwed up the lines and, and made put that, that as a different conversation and use that as and use that. And I, it was only on you. The camera was on you that whole time, so she's not on camera. But I cheated her line over a different shot of her. I don't know. So it's not a means planes now. It's actually in the in actual the movie. film. You yeah. doubled your screen time by screwing up. Yeah, yeah. Well, but I, I feel like I wouldn't call it a screw up. I mean, I'm pretty, pretty good actor. It's really, so. no, it's really <laughs> funny. But you guys, the improv because you started improving in a different. You didn't. You improvised the lines before we shot it. You, you learned the improvised lines. And you guys yes. performed them. In this particular take, you guys just went off improvising again. Yeah. And it is really funny. And it also, it plays off the improvisation you'd already built. So in the scene... It worked, yeah. You're, co- you're a bar fly. You're coming on to the bartender. And it plays off what you said before. It was actually really perfect. And I was happy to include it. It's yeah, my, my second great. favorite part of the movie. No no joke. Like, love, love the movie. Like, I just, it, because it just feels so... I don't know, just the way you're reacting to each other. And here's here's little 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 something about me. I'm trying to build that as my career. Honestly, be the guy that pops in, does two things, yells farts, and then pops out, and everyone goes, "I really like that one scene with that one guy. What was his name? I don't know. He looked like Chris <laughs> Elliott. Who was it? I was gonna say, Redhead yeah, Chris Elliott. Who is it? In. The guy with the tiny hands from Scary Movie. No, I think his name is John Huck. Look, here's a video of him pooping in an alley in Germany. It's like I think you should be more. So than, like I only, think you should do more than cameos. I will. I was gonna say five second snippets of you and like that's all. Five hundred movies, <laughs> <laughs> dude. I want to do more movies than Christopher Walken, but I only want to be in each movie for less than a minute at a time. That's right. Um, no, obviously exactly. I, I I love acting. So any any time I can kind of do and the little things like the crazy thing, I did this little snippet for a friend. Actually, Brian Swinehart, the Amish comedian, right? Love call, that guy. Called me one day. <laughs> Jay Brown's favorite comic <laughs> called me one day to do him a favor. <laughs> he couldn't help his friends who were making a movie out. Could I go up to Ventura and for two hundred bucks do something? And I was like, what? Yeah, sure. Literally called my buddy who lived up there. Go, hey, I'm coming up there. I'm gonna do some dumb thing, and then I'll be over. Went, did this thing, forgot all about it. Movie went to Sundance. Someone's like, hey, I'm at Sundance, and you pop up in the first five (laughs) seconds of this film saying, hi, I'm John Huck, because they were like, you want to use a character name? And I was like, no one's going to see this. Who gives a shit? I go, this guy will be John Huck. And they're like, okay. So I literally, my character is like J-O-H-N-H-U-C-K, played by J-O-N-H-U-C-K. Oh, clever. (laughs) It's just like, boo. But... But like I like those little things to me are are very enjoyable. Any way I can be involved, especially when Jay's like, "Hey, we're doing this thing," and this is my buddy, and I'm like, "Yeah, whatever you need." My wife is also in the background, oh, as really? well as my mother-in-law. That's oh, great. A little in background that action. Scene. Oh, thank you for bringing extras. The, yeah, the, all, all three good. of us showed up. That's she good. was in town. I go, "You want to go do B and J's movie?" And she's like, "Can my mom come?" And I was like, "Oh, fuck yeah!" Like this yeah, is totally. We got to throw Connie in this bad boy. Like it was the just really funny. The Kanban. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, but yes, thank you. That's very nice of you to say, but also it, 
it was really f- easy to do. It was just very fun to just be there. It was really fun. Yeah, super simple. I, I just, I, but you know, the only reason we cast you is because the uh, life-size black doll was not available. Oh, that was Hello! Too, too busy. Oh, she's here. We have her. Too busy being in a, in a past what else do you somewhere. say? Nothing. I just say hello. Super I, annoying. I only says that, one word. I imagine that puppet's in a garage somewhere in the back. So whenever she oh, goes in... Goes in the garage to get something. The things just leans out. The, thing, the things just like <laughs> just see its face, <laughs> kind of in the background, and occasionally it just moves. As like, like uh, it's in a, a song spot. called "Dead Dreams" plays behind but it. But I gotta be honest, Blumhouse. Like, if you're listening, we have your next Ooh, franchise. Blumhouse. The, the other Black thing that, that I didn't really bring up earlier in that story about that, which I've always found fascinating with people that want to do any form of like puppetry or ventriloquist. If you can't keep your mouth shut and you're basically talking next to it and you're you're like a duo but like it's your you never stop moving your mouth unless your shtick is being a terrible terrible ventriloquist. Which, which, yeah, you could Andy not, Kaufman that yeah, shit. That was yeah, not yeah. the intention not, there. No, she was so trying So then to, you're just like we're not you what didn't are we even doing? there's no preparation but time here. Why is here. it life size? There was no explanation for any, any of, of it. I mean, why is it life size? Why is it British? Why why black? Why <laughs> you could like, do a meta, you could do a meta stand up. I'm actually really fascinated with stand up. I've always wanted to try it, but I'm I, again as I said, I suck. So I that has nothing to do with it. Yeah, suck, you so should be surprised. You'd be surprised how many times I've uh, sucked. I know it doesn't stop stage. a lot of people, but I feel it stops me. But uh, I feel you, you could do like a meta, like bring out some ridiculous, crazy prop like that and be like, What the fuck was I thinking? And the whole bit is about the failure what an asshole of the decision. Yeah, what a yeah. failure of oh. this prop. This oh, I've seen, I've seen people, I've read that look on people's faces. I said they were in the middle of doing something like, oh, man, why the fuck was no, but I... Like, but that becomes your bit. Like, yeah. It becomes like a self-deprecating bit of like, I thought this was a good idea. Like, how racist is this? There <laughs> is somebody who, before he quit the business, and I knew him for a really long time when I first started, I had heard rumor that the last few times he ever went on stage, um, he was wearing lettuce on his head. And I said, interesting. Why? And they everyone always said, we don't know, because he never referenced it, and then he just disappeared from the scene. Like, he went from being an okay comedian to, like, just... Was <laughs> he trying to be, like, was Carrot Top, was he trying to be Lettuce Head? Was he trying to be... You know, Because that's a Mr. Really... Show character, Cabbage Head. I mean, but, but, but my point is, like... That it, 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 at first, it's like, well, that's a pretty desperate grab at that point in your yeah. life. If, all, if your thought is... The, how do I stay in this? I've got one last shot. It's either going to work or it's not. Let I could write, what, what or, could I, or I could write I better could jokes, or hear me out, I could put <laughs> lettuce out. on my head. <laughs> fuck writing, fuck talent, lettuce <laughs> on the hair. But so, I'm never going to reference it. Never talk about it, because that's hilarious. <laughs> can, I, can I ask you guys a, a tax question? Because people love listening about taxes. So if you're a stand-up comedian, and you're making a living... Even a shitty Okay, living. you like, can just stop there. And wait, ask no, 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 wait. Okay. Yeah, yeah, making yeah. 10 bucks a set, whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> and you, but you're up there, you're, 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 there's income coming in, and you are up there, and you're talking about shit. Your material, can you write that off? Like, if you are a father, and you're doing shtick about your kids, like Bill Cosby or whatever, without the rape, but if you're doing Bill Cosby, you're doing shtick about your kids, can you write off, like, all your child expenses? Like, well, I didn't have these kids. I wouldn't have this material to earn 10 bucks, so I'm going to write off their school lunches, their clothes, they're educated, whatever the fuck, like all the. Ex- can you write that shit off? Well, I think not you could try. No, I don't. Th- the tax laws have completely changed. <laughs> yeah. Writing things off is no longer oh, really, yeah. really something that people can do in this yeah. town but, anymore. Okay, but prior to prior that, to that, maybe I think you could have gotten away with some of it. I'll tell you, the last time I went to a tax guy was uh, two years ago. He looked at all my information, and he looked up from my information, and, and said, he gave you a hug because you know, he felt so bad. He oh, said, okay. "All right, how do you live?" <laughs> That's what he said. How do you live? He looked at my income and said, How do you live? And I said, I have a wife. 
<laughs> and a mom. That's how I live. Yeah. And he was like, uh, okay. And that was the last time I went back to a tax guy. I was like, I think I can do this on my own now. I can insult myself. I can answer that question. my own fucking, you know, breakfast nook. Um, but yeah, so it's, I don't know anything about like the writing off is like, you know, I used to write off my TV, like cable bill and all that because I'm a producer. I have to know what's on TV and it's all kinds of nonsense you can get away with. So I'm sure yeah. if your if your material, if your sole source of income is being a stand up and your stand up is solely based on your children, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Like, you're like, you're like, I just bought a boat. I better talk about it on stage so I can write it off. I have nothing to say about that except I was I had to return a bunch of money. Um, I was audited. Dude, I remember that. And oh. um, I had to return a boatload of money. And while I was in there, um, the guy was such a jerk to me at the IRS that I asked two questions. One is like, am I going to jail? Because he was just being a dick. Mm. And then the second one was, or his second, actually, the, the, the other question, it wasn't a question. It was what he said to me, and it stuck to me forever, is as he was taking all my stuff back, including I had made two television, independently produced two in- television pilots, and he didn't. He he made me give all that money back to all my expenses towards those. And what he said was, "Hey man, just so you know, the United States government is not in the business of funding the arts." And he just handed wow. me a bill, and that was it. Well, wait, was this you personally, or was it a production company? It was me. Because if it's a production company, you can write all that shit. Of course. And, wow. and it, it was just. It was such. I left there going, "What did I do to you?" Like it's just like it was just. It was just cold. Calculated. He saw your. The set. United States government wants the, wants wants set. money. He saw, he and we're taking your, it from you. He saw your set. He likes the guy who dresses up as the Amish guy. You rubbed him the wrong. He's way. like, you're not a character. You fuck that. The best part about that guy was, I, I I swear to you, I think he was like 120 years old, but he was wearing his badge, and the picture was when he first started there. Cool. And so it's it's a it literally is a badge of this guy, and it was black and white, and he was young, and I was like. Boy, this really well, is Well, now you know sad. why he's so fucking pissed. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you just answered your own question. Yeah. Before and after. So I, What's your I don't problem? Have, this is what I looked like three weeks ago. I don't have much ago. to say about any of that stuff. <laughs> he just started, that's a, that's he started Wednesday. Yeah. He started Tuesday. This is killing me. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, that's that's gnarly, I dude. think we just brought Brian down a few pegs. No, well, you know, I mean, I've, <laughs> I've moved down from I never got the money back. They said that... Apparently, there's X amount of years that if you sell a project, you could write it off, which totally makes no sense. Like, if you sell the project, you've actually profited from your investment. So right. the writing it off at that, the point of writing it off when you aren't getting the money is to help you continue your endeavor. None of it made any sense. Right. The bottom wow. line is, they, it's not a matter of, like, an ideology of funding the arts. Um, in theory, you have X amount of years where you can take a loss if you are trying to start a business. And technically... Trying to create product, you know, I what we do for a living creatively. That we are trying to create a business. That's we why are, I have a production company. Yeah. It's not through me. And also, I never take any money out of it personally. Yeah. Unless I mean, unless unless it's in the budget, and it's a you know whatever. But honestly, because our film budget so low, I never take a paycheck anyway. Right. I just roll everything back into the company. Yeah. But the real trick is to have a production company. Now, LLC is a good one, and to never mix your personal finances with the company. You can you can buy things. For your business out of your personal money, and write that off. Yes, like I, you know, but but you don't or loan or give money to the company. Yeah, never have it come back the other way. Yeah, the second you go, I can't quite make the rent. I'll dip into the production company and I'll pay it back later. Then that becomes part of you. That's also to protect you if anybody ever sues the company. Are you LLC every time you start a new project? No, you open up a new one. one One, Okay, if this state was a little more amenable to the LLC, yeah, you know, like in some states it's like twenty bucks a year. 
I would maybe have one for each company, but it's it's 800, 800 bucks a year minimum yeah. to operate an LLC. So with every movie, if I had a new LLC, like it would be like well, some people five thousand right? dollars to just just mm. some people do that to protect each property, right? That's no, what why you do is you keep, you keep the accounting separate for each project. Yeah. Um, but it does mean that if you know, like, if Favor brings in X amount of money from distribution, but we spend more on the production, then we you know we can it's it all offsets, but. What's the what's the goal ultimately here um, for you guys creatively as far as like you know there's a, everybody has like these different ideologies of why they get in and do what they do some people are just like I'm just gonna do the next one some people are like hey man your job is to get out of the independent filmmaking business as soon as possible and start making legit stuff like that's there so what is the ideology uh, each of you obviously probably has a different one but like what what is what's the goal here the end game for you Pat this movie and beyond you know. Uh, for me, you know, it's just uh, putting out projects that I'm proud of, okay. and um, you know, it would it's it would be nice to get to the next level of income and not wearing socks that have holes in them. <laughs> I like. Just have my sock with <laughs> a giant hole in it. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely putting out projects that uh, you know that entertain me, that I'm proud of, that will entertain other people, and then just continue to put those products out, and then you know, hopefully, eventually, you know, that product will you know, come back at me, you know, in money and, you know, in just, uh, you know... Uh, glory. The glory, right. whatever you want to call it. So you're, you're in it for the glory. Just, <laughs> yeah, I, it'd be just, it'd be fun just to have someone go, hey, man, I saw your movie. That was, yeah. that was kinda, great. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Worth it I mean, that, look, you, that kind of stuff is way more valuable than, you know, yeah. cash you're, in my pocket, in my opinion. And you're helping to tell a story. Yeah. And people, you want people to be entertained by that story. And then mm -hmm. you want people to be like, hey, man, I was really, I, I like that. Either it, it moved me, it made me laugh, it made me sad, whatever. Sure. You know, I mean, you want to hear those things. It's, it's always nice to hear. And by the way, the, the size of the hole in your sock, just so we're clear, it's no longer a sock. That is a sleeve. Yeah, no, okay, I know. <laughs> it goes I in and then something comes out on the other <laughs> end. That's not even, why would you even put that on? <laughs> what in why didn't you just go barefoot? I didn't Warmer that he wrapped I didn't know I put toes. it on this morning. Just to, to fill, to fill, the, to fill the, the listeners in at home. I, I took my shoes off, and as Jay was tucking, and noticed I have a giant hole in my sock. And he's you right. Noticed. There's more hole than sock. Yeah. Dude. And I didn't really know. Well, no, I, my toes aren't coming out. That's how I didn't notice it. I had I had a hole in my sock about that size when I was in Vegas coming back from Aspen, Colorado. Were you walking on the streets for four hours without shoes on? Um, That's the size of that hole. That's dude, like, I'm no. telling you, I'm in a hotel room with my buddy, and I start to put that like a sock like that on. I go, I need to go play blackjack. And he looks at me and goes, no, you need some <laughs> new fucking socks. Well, no, when you I, can forget playing blackjack, dude. What are you talking about? See, I kind of wish I had a video component because I could hold it up to the camera and go, please buy our movie. Yeah. John, John will take a I picture of your sock. No, dude, and I think this, a if people hear this, if they've listened this far, they're going to be like, we need to help this guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. And if anybody has an opportunity to meet Paul in the street after they've seen our fabulous movie and they shake his hand, they can think, this guy's got it. Holds this guy this sock has more exposed foot than covered foot in that shoe. <laughs> well, unless they meet me today, this sock will be gone. Right. But oh, I'm sure there's it? other socks. Will it? Because it sounds yes. like you haven't been, you have had a be, hard time letting go of that could thing. Could be a good you know, no, car wash is, sock. Is, I, just the first, I, I see a hole in my sock. I throw him away. Uh -oh, but I mean, oh, like, look at no, Mr. Look at Thurston Howell over here. I'll see a hole in my sock and I'll throw it away. <laughs> I don't money as well. I wipe my ass with it. Well, here's the thing. Like, I don't dress well. I'm not good looking. But like, I disagree. I, there, is a, there is a line. There's a line that yeah. I don't cross. You also have a wife who's going to go I get wanna that keep, fucking thing out I of wanna here. I want to keep the wife. Right. She's way prettier and smarter than me and uh, way more charming. It, that's how it and should so be. And so I feel like if the threshold is I get rid of the socks with the holes in them, so be it. 
<laughs> Fair. Um, Fair. To answer right, your question, so that, yes, there you go. To answer your question, so uh, just to, enough to have thicker socks. I'm not socks. waiting for anybody to. Re- I'm. I'm an art. I like to make art. I mean, that's as stupid as it sounds. I just, I'm a. I'm a filmmaker. I like to make movies. I've always wanted to do it. I like. I love doing it, and I don't need to be rescued. You know, like if they want to come rescue me, great. That would be great. But you know, we have to understand that that the idea of artists making a living doing art is a fairly historically very new idea and still very isolated. A hundred years ago, 150 years ago, this did not happen. You had the the, the, pri- the prime artists had patrons. Most of them did other things, and because you just you can't. Francis Ford Coppola makes more money making wine than he ever been making movies, and now he's, he when he makes movies, he goes, I have to. My business is wine. That's my day job. I need to do that. So I would love to have a studio come down and be like, hey, make movies for us. I'd love to have Brad Pitt check out Fear on iTunes and be like, I like this guy. I'm going to bring it into Plan B and we'll do a deal and he'll write screenplays for me. I'm in the, I'm in the Writers Guild. Yeah. I can write for Plan B. Yeah. Um, but, um, uh, you know, if it, it, I'm, that's not, I'm not waiting for that. No. Yeah. I'm not expecting and, it. And you're not, and, you, and, you're, and that's not, doesn't seem to be your goal necessarily. No. You're not like, oh, if I got to make this and someone's going to look at it and then you they're going to get me on and this I've and I'm going to do this. I've for other people before and, you know, it's like, I remember taking a meeting one time. This guy hired me to write a script and he was like, this is a great script. I can't wait. You're going you're gonna, to, this is going to be the best script. I'm like, well, I was, he was hiring me to write this as producer. And I said, well, yeah. He's like, I, I, I wanted to meet with you face to face because I want to see your expression when I tell you what it is because it's going to be amazing. And, you know, and, and I, I think you're the guy. I'm like, all right. It's like, it's a modern take on Frankenstein. Like, okay, like, okay, like the Mary Shelley's Frank. He's like, yes, but, but it's a musical. Like, really? Like, it's called Tutti Frutti. I'm still listening. Notes. You're making this part, the Tutti Frutti part up? Nope. I this love this actual, movie. This is actually I love this I was fucking actually movie. Hired to Please write. tell me you wrote it. John wants to be in and it. There was, uh, yeah, I never went anywhere. Tutti Frutti, uh, it's Frankenstein. Is, I was like 23, and I met with a producer at, at, at the, the, the Dupars or Daltz or whatever the fuck, and, I, I, and this was what he wanted me to, to write for him. And, you know, like, if I'm not saying that's writing for a studio, but if you are writing for a studio, you're writing, you're like, you're writing for other people. So here's an existing script. Yeah, we think we might have John Hamm beef up this part and do this and do that and punch us up. And I've done I've done those things, but when we're doing these, these movies for our company, these micro budget films, we have complete creative control. Yeah, you're not you listening to anybody's bullshit, right? Yeah, I mean we, we're 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 controlled by our budgets, sure. But we're hiring the actors we want to hire. We're telling the stories we want to tell. You know, which we, is we have final cut. Dude, it's so rare that that doesn't exist in the in the mainstream studio world. Very rare. It I mean, doesn't. It doesn't exist. I mean, hard pressed to find. Everybody goes, yeah, write this thing, direct it how you want, fucking cast who you want. Yeah. No, they're like, you got to use these Tarantino people. Tarantino gets You need that, this guy to punch up. A, yeah, maybe Tarantino because he's, you know, even even then it's like, well, why don't you like this guy? It's like you, it's still probably not as as free as freeing as doing a movie. Yeah. Like you're talking about. So doing. the more you know, more mo money, more problems. So if yeah. If, yeah, if if uh, A twenty four or must say, hey, we want you to, you know, Paul, we really liked Cruel Arts. We want you to make a film for us. I would absolutely take the meeting, and I'd of be course. thrilled to, to work with. Actually, Blumas doesn't do a lot of creative interference. If you stay within their, they have a budget cap, but um, which is why I really like their business model. But A twenty four wants to move. Like, oh, we want you to be, 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 be. like, yeah, I'll do it. But like, I, you know, I'm not gonna. I would maybe mourn the loss of my creativity. Yeah, I mean, the great thing is, is we're not starving artists. I mean, he and I have been involved in the entertainment industry for a long time. So to be able to do these projects is just another extension of our creativity. And I would really like to not to not have to do the 
the pay gigs. That, sure. I'd like this to be the pay gig. But yes. Yeah, that, exactly. I mean, but yeah. I mean, that's actually, I think, yeah. as you get older. To answer your question, I guess that would be the ultimate goal. It's like, that would be great to get to that point. That would be, that would, now we're just that would be the movies. reward we would Instead of this being your side hustle, right. it would be your full hustle. That's, yeah. that, that's something we wouldn't kick out of bed. I have a more however, important question. It's not, however, it's not. Does Tutti I'm, Fruity I'm, ever find love in your script? <laughs> I, God, I don't remember. Do you have that script? No. No, because he probably oh just walked God. out of that room. I was room like, and I was like, uh, <laughs> dude, we, we should talk about the other thing. With the I don't know. I might, I might be able to find it in my garage somewhere. I've written stuff. <laughs> I remember writing. I remember taking a meeting. I remember taking a meeting. I was doing a page one rewrite for these. It was a horror movie, and it's called Tootie Fruity Two: The Revenge. No, this okay. was. I forget what it was called, but but it was. Um, it was there were three production companies. There was one. There was there were there was um, uh, one guy, one producer. He had one company. The guy had another company. They formed a company together, and then. Fangoria Films. Remember that magazine? Yes, Fangoria. yes. Fangoria Films was on the phone. They wanted to chime in, and they were like, they all brought me in to do this rewrite, and they'd done like five or six drafts of the script, and, it, and it did, I read the thing, and it didn't make any sense to me. Well, that's because too many people probably had their hands exactly. on it. Exactly. And yeah. I was like, I'm like, like, what is it? I said, what's the, what is the idea you want to preserve in this? Because I'm doing a page one rewrite. And they all started talking, and they all started describing the movie that they saw this as. And I realized... Oh, it's because none of them are on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> and none of them are smart enough or good enough communicators to realize they're not like, one's like, oh, yeah, yeah, zombie movie. Yeah, aliens. Like, that was literally, yeah, I'm, I'm still one with you. One side is zombies, one side is aliens, and one side is a cult. And it was, and so we tried to, and then they hired, they hired this director, a, gr- a great guy named Carl Hirsch, who's a really talented director. I didn't, I didn't know him, but I got to know him through this. We were both like, we both took the meeting, I took my notes, we went to lunch. And he looks at me and he goes, dude, what the fuck? What the fuck? Like, what, what, what movie are they hiring us to make? Yeah. I think I did like f- four or five drafts for them. And they were, and Carl, was, Carl and I worked on it together. They were, he was very happy. They never understood, like, because, it, because it couldn't be. All those things. It couldn't be all you those things. You have to, I mean, unless you want to make a f- fucking hot, wet fart, that's like. Yeah, like it couldn't. I'm listening. Yeah. <laughs> so we made, it, we made it these other Whatever. Yeah. And, oh, that's and so eventually, that's funny. and then they stiffed me on the on my bill. Oh, lovely. I still have not been paid for that. Lovely. That, that never happens. Sucks. Totally. First job I ever got in town. In first, I should have known. I got the classic welcome to Hollywood. The first job I ever got here never got paid. Yeah. Never got finished getting paid. My this brother when made he f- movies though. They made other films. When my brother first moved here, he goes, "How do you say, uh, how do you say fuck you in Los Angeles?" And I go, "How?" He goes, "Trust me." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It'll be good for your resume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Co- copy credit. You don't get any any money for this, but if you want to act in it, copy and credit. Oh, you're gonna give me copy of the thing, and then you're gonna credit me. Awesome. I have IMDb Pro. Do you guys? Ever <laughs> I I should be in there. I have IMDb Pro. Do you guys? Um, I know you, you kind of referenced it before, but I'm always fascinated with this part of it. It's making a film, and even more so, a feature film is such a process. Do you do you ever experience a creative letdown at some point? Like it's it's almost kind. Of, I don't know how else to describe this, but like imagine if you were like on ecstasy and they always talk about those come downs. Like it's like Suicide high, Tuesdays. high, 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 and then boom, because it's at this part where there's not much left to do or whatever, and it's got to go out to the world. Do you ever oh, fe- do you like, ever feel like, that like, part like, of it? Like, like it's, you finish it and you're like, I feel that after production. Yeah. Jay, do you feel that after? What do you ever feel that? Like the idea that like you're you're. Because you're at you're stay at a certain level because you have to because you got to get to the end, but right. then at some point you get to an end. It's a movie over, is and done. Then it's you don't have it. You don't have that thing to do anymore. Right. And you're like, and you feel yeah. Cruel Hearts was an eighteen day postpartum, shoot. Postpartum. Postpartum. Yeah. Postpartum. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Cruel Hearts was an eighteen day shoot. And Not it was consecutive. 
no, we had three, a, three six day weeks. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, but when we were finished with that, um, there was a little bit of that. It was like, oh, okay. yeah. So I mean, Paul, Paul had to move on to go to edit the thing. But I feel it after. So, I do feel it after production because yeah. you, I, you really. Again, we had a really great crew and cast that everybody got. A, we didn't. Have, we had a no asshole policy. No, yeah, exactly. Even Everyone's like the wait. So how did everybody go to the bathroom? Thank you. Hey, hey. Thank you. hello. But even people, like, you know, we brought on a, a, a name, Melora Harden, uh-huh. who well, and Eddie Jameson as well. Well, I knew him. Yeah. Though. I knew him socially. Oh, you knew him, so yeah, I knew yeah. Was, Melora's he, from the Office. She played uh, Jan on the Office. She did. That? She's on the Bold Type right now, and she's also on a million little things. Oh, she's nice. On she's on Transparency. Transparent. Transparent. We'd never worked <laughs> with her before. Um, she was awesome. Like she was. Patrick Day knew her. Um, he knew her, but I, we, I'd never. I mean, right. she could have come in and been like, "What is this production?" Yeah, that's my Melora. Hardin. Well, she, but we she got, was great. We got her a trailer. You know, she was the only person that we got a trailer for. I found out later that wasn't probably wasn't necessary. It wasn't necessary because she hung with us the the three nights. That yeah, we she shot, never like came went back to the trailer. So yeah. you got yourself a trailer, Jay. Well, her, but her, her representation, her representation, thing. like, look what we got you. Yes, it was that. But she'd yeah. made she'd made films at this level right. before with other movies, and and, and uh, so she's no, she was game. But like, we never. So yeah, there's that. I feel that letdown after production. Like, I get really sad because I'm not gonna. Production's addictive, and you know you you the world moves out of your way to make these things, and you're with these people all the time, and you're. Bonding with them, and you're always—it's like you're in the trenches. But, but and you no, finish a but project. No one's shooting at you. There's a finished project. You're like, look what we fucking did. Well, like, no, but when you're done shooting, there isn't. Oh, but when yeah. you're done shooting, it's but there's like a light. At least. Suddenly, you don't. I'm all. I'm not going to see you again every day. And that really—that's where I feel postpartum. Mm-hmm. Postpartum and editing. No, I can't wait to get the. That's like oh, yeah, God, yeah. I'm like, get the fuck, get this baby out of me. Like, I walk I by an editing room and I fucking get I pale. Stand it. Like I'm, we're doing. I'm doing all the promotional material for. Cruel Hearts right now as we you know ramp towards distribution and towards release, I got to go back in and like I do you know create all these things and, and I, you know, we're doing this the means planes making of right now we're cutting that together, and um, and uh, uh, I'm just ugh. <laughs> yeah you're done I mean I can't <laughs> no, imagine no mas you, you wrote the fucking thing then you directed it which is take after take after take then you got to yeah. put it all together and it's you're a, like it's like ironic hell it's like yeah. I like donuts do you Mr Simpson yeah have all the donuts in the world oh, <laughs> and he just keeps well he's been <laughs> I understand it James Coco went insane for 15 minutes he's been cutting fluorescent beast which we finished uh, production in May and so he's been kind of on a tear thinking about it thinking about it thinking about it now Cruel yeah. Hearts is about to come out and now I he's had to, to shift his gears to start thinking to about Cruel Hearts again. you guys yeah. are working another project correct you referenced right. that earlier and that's what you just yeah we have another film we shot it's and what is this one about is it a modern day take on Frankenstein Tutti Fruity 2 Sour Booty it's actually a, it's a, this one the new one Fluorescent Beast is a black comedy so that'll be a, hello it's, it's different very, very, it's, a, it's a black doll com- no it's a black <laughs> surreal black comedy uh, departure different that's not a thriller right. so it's, it's moving away from I really I felt like we needed to move away from I want each I, other. I creatively wanted to move away from what we'd done. So it's interesting. So. You you did another movie after Cruel Hearts that was a, is a dark comedy. You enjoyed my performance in Cruel Hearts, and yet and here it is. Somehow, the insecure actor. I was somehow. not cast in the new <laughs> film, even though I sort of proved myself. As, you did. As John and I. John set. and I have a Patreon page. It's called Insecure Actor. John brings everybody in who's <laughs> never used him and stuff. There really wasn't a role. It really there grills really wasn't them. A role for sure, you. sure, sure. You wrote this, I hear. So it's not a role for me. So by choice, then there was no role written for me. I know yeah. they wrote a John Huck type. We, do for John Huck. <laughs> we cast a John Huck type. Yes. But All right, here no. we go. Jay needs to direct. J O H N. You need a role. I'll write it. I'll write a, th- I'll tailor a thing for John, but you have to direct. Instead of yeah. me getting hired, they hired Jamie Kaler and Matt McCarthy to take just two people well, to do one role. We had talked about doing a spinoff from Cruel Hearts. 
for a little bit. We did uh, one of the characters, Eddie James's two, character. Two, two of the character. Yeah, two. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a couple of you've seen the movie, so yeah. right. There's a couple of bumbling uh, um, uh, mob operative characters in the film that, make a, that kind of make a, have a couple of scenes in the movie, played by Eddie Jemison and, and Marion Kerr, and they're sort of an odd couple. And he's m- middle aged, kind of like you know, he's like kind of nerdy, but he's supposed to be like the, a tough guy, mm-hmm. and he's sort of an you know a bag man. And she's working with him, and she's about ten years younger, and she's much more serious and motivated and competent. And so, but he kind of is the boss of her, and she sort of drag. Um, they, they have this odd couple chemistry, and it's it really comes across well on screen. And so there was a chain between you, me, Joe, Zula, mm. a couple of the money guys. Mm. We're just chatting, and so there's someone started spinning like, "Oh, we should make a I spinoff Bill, movie." I think Bill threw it out there. It's we should make a spinoff movie yeah. with Grimmer and Grimmer and Adele. And I was like. Okay, and so I I, I started I threw out, I kind of threw out a story concept, and you guys like, oh yeah, and so I'm like I started coming up with ideas, yeah, ideas like I like, here's the op- here's the opening sequence, she said I will do it, and here's the premise, and here's what's gonna happen, and I started structuring it out, and you guys were like back and forth, and I'm like but I don't want to direct it, so like and Jay's like I'll direct it, I'm like you should totally fucking direct and it, and I just realized John's character actually would be kind of a bumbling like uh, you know at that bar hanger on her at that bar because yeah. you know because totally. look at John exactly <laughs> also maybe well, I could I be John a janitor a- there and or some sort of <laughs> escaped mental patient right well the whole the whole premise of the movie would be that you know Marion's character Adele who's the more in- intelligent and more um, motivated of the two would would like I need to do I need to do my own crime thing. My own deal. I'm job, branching out away from this guy, mm-hmm. and I can't tell the bosses about it because if I do, then he'll find out about it. And he'll want in. I don't want to. You know, he'll find out about it and fuck it up. So I got to do it on the slide. But it means that means they can't find out about it at all until it's successful because I didn't get permission to do this job. Yeah. So I need to keep it completely quiet, and because they find out I'm planning a gig, I'm planning a a, a, a heist, a, a heist or whatever. Yeah. They'll fucking a jab. Yeah, I'll be in. Tr- they'll do. Who knows what they'll do to me? So I got to keep it on DL until I can go. I made you money because the money talks. Of course, he finds out about it, and he's like, uh, "You, you got to pull me in." And um, if you don't include me, I will tell them right now what you're planning. And so that was the dynamic. So John, John should be the job. And listeners, if uh, I don't know what the job is, but John should be like the. We're gonna roll a rich I'm a guy. Secret we're gonna millionaire, roll, and I'm just like, we're gonna roll this a guy's rich, guy. rich. I'm like, hi everybody, yeah. I'm rich. Hey. We're going to roll this tech, this tech genius. Yeah. We're, we're, I invented compoopers. Put a little Silicon Valley in there. You referenced Kaler before. John said that you used to work on My Boys? Nope. Different guest. No. Somebody else? That'll be okay. later. Does he know Kaler? I don't I think so. I have no idea you're talking oh, about. Why'd you reference mm-hmm. Jamie Kaler? Because I said we're going to get two people that look like me to play. Uh, Wait a minute. You think Jamie Kaler looks I was like using him? two people that don't look like me that have red hair. Matt McCarthy and Jamie Kaler. Oh, red why hair. They you were using hair referencing. Hair. You were hair we're referencing. We're going to get Ron Howard. You were two-handing. Three. Is that one of the guys that was in the Dodge commercial I worked on? That was a redhead. Matt guy. McCarthy? Yeah. Uh, no, oh, that no, was Randy Litke. Oh, Randy Litke. Say we're dumb. Randy Litke and I look very similar. You should do a documentary called I Am Not Chris Elliott. And it should be just you trying to get into clubs telling people you're Chris Elliott. Or it should just be me auditioning to play his father in a flashback on Eagleheart and having the casting lady go, thank you, and me going, wait, huh? Check it out. What do you think? She goes, what? Thank you. I go, no, 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 look at me. She goes, uh-huh. And I go, don't I look just like him? She goes, literally spits back to me the exact same thing I say to everybody that says, you look like Chris Elliott. She goes, 
what? No, dude. He's like 65. You're 40. He's got no hair. You have hair. He's like three feet tall. You're like 6'5". I'm like, oh, thank you. Never mind. Goodbye. You, down, you scan. You get. You buy, the, this through. you buy the Blu-ray at Cabin Boy. You scan. You take the paper cover out. Scan it. You put your face on instead. You put it back in the cover. You carry it with you. And you go, I get this club. I'm Chris Elliott. They go, no, you're not fucking Chris Elliott. You go, look, Cabin Boy. That's me, bitch. That actually is a funny idea to like, use a, a DVD to get in somewhere. It's me. <laughs> a DVD. Uh, what is what that? Is your ID? I need an ID. Yeah, it's a picture. It's an iDVD. Hold on. Then you grab a VHS it. tape. Yeah. Is this oh. what you mean? Huh? Laser this, Here's my eight track of Chris Elliott's stand up comedy. It's got my face on Here's it. Here's me as the people under this, the man under the stairs on Letterman. Just, and you just, but the, old, the documentary only works if you get Chris Elliott at the end to be pissed off at you. And then he comes Which out. Shouldn't be a, a problem if you. Not Although, I don't know. He hasn't worked a lot. He may be like. It doesn't oh, work a lot. He's on Shit's Creek, dude. He's on one of the number one comedies in the world right now. What is he on? Shit's Creek. He's the mayor. Oh, is he really? Oh, my God. He's oh, so shit. fucking funny on that. I have not Chris Elliott has not stopped working since he got to Letterman. Like, people are like, oh, that guy's been comedy. No, he's literally constantly working. They're thinking of Tom Green. Tom Green's also out is there. He still working? Dude, he's everywhere, man. Yeah, he's got a new beer. He's got he's doing stand up. Tom Green's Tom out Green there. Beer. A new beard or beer? Beer. He's got I a beer both. out. Beer like B E R like drink Billy glug, Beer glug. from Glug Glug. I'm Brian. I like beers. Glug Glug Glug. I'm from Wisconsin. I'm from Wisconsin. Beer and cheese. You know, I'm with our, you, I'm with you guys actors, so far. Everything's right. One of our actors is from Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Don Brody who plays opposite uh John in that scene. Is from Wisconsin. Oh, yeah? Wisconsin Rapids, or is that? Six degrees of separation. Six, six, right. uh, she just moved to L.A. when we cast her. Okay. It was her first, one of her first jobs And she's a good person. People in Wisconsin she's are good. She, she, comes from, she, comes, she comes from a town that's so small, it's, it's unincorporated. Wisconsin Rapids? Yeah, you know Wisconsin Rapids. I think that's in the north north uh, central part of Wisconsin. I will tell you, people from Wisconsin, we are, we are the kindest folk you're ever going to meet, and we will also probably uh, serial kill and eat you. So, yep. we've so got be a careful when your car breaks down in Ed Wisconsin. Gein, Ed Gein and uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. We want a little cheese to go with that. Can't you come over to my farm? I'll harvest your skin. All right, guys. So, Cruel Hearts, <laughs> Cruel we Hearts digress. comes out tomorrow. VOD anywhere you can find it. Uh, it's going to be everywhere. iTunes, yes. Amazon. And if you get it on iTunes, uh, you either pre-order it today or you get it on iTunes on the first day, which is take a picture February eleventh. Yep. Send us a screen cap to info at conspicuouspictures.com. That email again, info at conspicuouspictures.com, and say that you want to get access to means, please, and we will send you a private link. To um, watch do it. Me a favor Full spoilers, so I should watch the movie we first and watch the doc. We're yeah. also going to be showing in Birmingham, Alabama. Boom. Uh, possibly two screenings. Um, as, of, as, of, as of this as airing, of, it'll, it'll, yes. we'll know for sure. Yep. And then on the 13th of February in Albany, New York. Sweet. And then we Denver. have Denver. Denver, also. yeah. When is that? That's on that's the, 11th. the 11th. That's the 11th as well. That's the day of. Yeah. This yeah. day of. And that's day actually of, yeah. that's, that's a pretty good deal. It's, uh, yeah. I think it's like 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a, it's the movie and also a bunch of bands. Oh wow! I don't know who the hell the bands are, but <laughs> the guy who's uh, who booked it's a friend of mine from Denver. He's uh, he's a band promoter, so it's going to be free music and movie show. Um, well, go ahead. I was going to say just a few fun things about the film. So we were in uh, ten um, movie festivals. Thank you. We yes. got uh, best picture in Pasadena. Love we it. Got best picture in South Georgia. Yep. Nice. We got best actor in Fort Lauderdale. For so, who was uh, it? That was for Patrick Day. Nice. And so we're pretty proud of this film. We've yeah. uh, got a lot of good buzz on it, and we've uh, been very fortunate that uh, every time we've had a screening, um, people are very complimentary at the end. And um, well, I have a question, really yes. quick. If you can touch on You're a film in it. festival, oh. you, when you got where you guys were asked to show your film at a biker rally. 
Oh, that oh, was that's that was festival number eleven. Eleven, actually. <laughs> um, Hogfest. You're not really Hogfest. counting that, yeah? Okay. Yeah. Well, it wasn't it wasn't a film, a film festival. festival. It was a right. music festival, but Correct. they showed our movie. Hogfest. That was a, that was a strange experience. In in the film, there's uh, Melora Hardin's character is dealing with her ex husband. It's a it's a side plot thing, and she's she's like describing him, and. You know, we wanted her to. We wanted them to be very different. So we decided okay, she'll be like the liberal. He'll be like the conservative. She'll be like the blue state. He'll be like the red state. Just starts describing him. It's like he's some neo-Nazi NRA asshole and ever bathes and blah blah blah. And so starts describing him this way in the movie. So we're in we're in uh, Carlsbad, New Mexico, showing right. this film. Slowly walking out the back, quietly. <laughs> we're, sc- we're screening the movie. And the audience is people from Carlsbad. These uh, these uh, very uh, not urban, not blue state, definitely red state Super folks. Super conservative. It's yeah. a big, it's a big uh, pro-Trump headquarters. It's part of the festival. Right. There's also a big recycling. Uh, <laughs> so there was they were both represented. They but, were all over the fucking place. But the point is, is that there are a lot of red hats, and we're watching this movie, and the whole I mean, the audience is sitting there, and I'm like, I don't know what the politics of this audience is, but I can guess they're probably pro-gun. <laughs> oh, at, yeah. the ver- at the very least, you know, they're pro Second Amendment. Yeah. You know, no judgment on them, but the she's about to pass judgment on them out loud on the screen. Yeah. And he doesn't, the guy, other character doesn't rebut. <laughs> it's right. not like it's a debate. Right. And that, co- and I, I was like, oh God, Jay. I turned to Jay, like, Jay, Jay, it's coming. He's like, what? Like the line, I saw mine's like, oh no. And then the <laughs> one of the promoters for Was Jay getting a tattoo while this was happening? <laughs> was a neck tattoo. Ass. He's riding the bull. There's actually a bull you could ride outside. I swear to God, there was. And so then the, one of the promoters comes over. And says, hey guys, that's a gun. She's next to us in the theater. We're in the very back. And she goes, she's like, why are you guys like worried? <laughs> and this promoter working working. She's from Los Angeles. And she goes, I we said, what's well, this line's coming up that we're going to worry about? And she, <laughs> we told the line. She's like, oh Jesus, guys, what are you doing to me? We're going to die. The line goes. Not a peep, not nothing. a word, nothing, no, f- nothing, no, not even like, ah, uh, fla- nothing. In their heads, they're just like, and? Yeah. So what? He doesn't bathe. They're like, what's wrong with her, bitch? Yeah. Yeah, or she, whatever. They, 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 but then at the end of the movie, they were all very complimentary. Yeah, they they were all great. stayed. A lot of them wanted to buy it. Uh, when's great. it coming out? You know, um, I don't think we lost anybody for the Q&A, which is usually, that's the sign. If you lose people for the Q&A. They don't give a shit about what, how you made it or what happened. They, well, then they're not into it. Well, that's, yeah. well if you lose half, this is what I heard at a, at a, a festival programmer told me this once. If you lose half of them, it's a cult film. You pissed off half, half stayed. If you lose a lot, everybody or a fair amount, they don't care. Yeah, exactly. They don't want to see what your don't story give a shit, is. Yeah. If, a, if a lot of them stay, they're really in, into they're your They're curious, movie. yeah. So and the only exception to that rule is if the festival schedule screening is very close together. And they and, can't and, have and a cute boom, boom, boom. And boom. they're running late and people are leaving to get to the next screening. Sure. That's the only time. Like in, in Phoenix... You tend to lose people at the Q&As because the movies are, are very tightly together, are tightly scheduled together. Yeah. And um, people will buy passes and see seven films in a sure. row. So, but then you, those same people find you later go, sorry, I couldn't stay for your Q&A. And yeah. But yeah, usually. So everybody stayed for the Q&A at Hogfest. Um, were very Split. complimentary. So yeah. they were... They were not, uh, yeah, the divide The divide was not as big as we were worried Did about. you guys leave Ride Bitch then with your new friends? That would have been exciting, right? Ride out with the flying. <laughs> you leave Ride Bitch with <laughs> Is that what that's called when you're 
The second ride Not on a anymore, motorcycle? but yeah, it used to be. That one? <laughs> they don't that, use that, that term anymore? That burger place we went oh. to in Carlsbad. Oh, they uh, do happiness. on Rockford Files. Well, we, had to, we, had to, we had to move, we had to move uh, booths because the flies were too dense on one booth. Right. Oh, that's hot. It was, it was an interesting experience being in Carlsbad. But I will say that our, the best part about going to Carlsbad is we got to experience the caverns there, yeah. which is incredible. Carlsbad caverns. Carlsbad right, caverns were great. The ZZ Top cover band was really good, they too. They were really good, too. There was a, yeah, that was free. ZZ Bottom. It was a free music festival. AA Bottom. ZZ Bottom. Double A Bottom. Where's ZZ Top ZZ cover band? ZZ Double D. Um, all right, guys. Thank you so much for coming by and talking about the movie. And uh, giving us candy. I know we have a lot of... Uh, Eric, I know we have a listener, Eric, who keep, he's, Eric asked me to, he's asked me to talk Eric about... Eric a million times. Uh, fucking the, the problems with filming going to Canada outside of L.A., and we've yet to talk about that with anybody. But, Eric, I haven't we'll forgotten there, about buddy. you, dude. We will get there. But at least you said your name. At least we said your name <laughs> at the end of an, a two-hour episode, so this ought to tide you over. You like the Lindsay Buckingham of your show, like in a What Up With That, where they never get to Lindsay Buckingham? That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you like the Lindsay. Oh, Lindsay! Dude, Lindsay, man! I'm so sorry, Lindsay! Lindsay! There's a lot of things Lindsay, I'll buy you a cake! There's a lot of things we'd ever get to. Yeah, we used to, yeah, we've changed the show's format a couple times. But anyway, thank you, guys. Get uh, Cruel you. Hearts anywhere movies are tomorrow. Uh, VOD, uh, Amazon, uh, select theaters, check local listings, iTunes, DVD, iTunes, iTunes, oh, yeah, DVD, Blu-ray, Best Buy, Target, should be Amazon, Walmart. Right then. I haven't seen the links are up yet, but they should be by yeah. by the time this runs. Boom! That's awesome, guys. Congratulations, guys! It's not you. easy making a Thanks, movie, guys. And thank fruity. you, Tutti Fruity. And thank you so much. Brian's new favorite movie will be Tutti Fruity the Musical. Starring Frankenstein. 3D The Revenge. <laughs> 3D The Revenge, Fruity Tootie. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. Get Cruel Hearts wherever you can. Hurry. Hello! Thank you for listening to Hollywood Anonymous. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hollywood Anani. That is short for Hollywood Anonymous. You can also follow John individually at John Huck and myself, Brian Irwin, at Brian Irwin on Twitter as well. Both of us can be found on Facebook. You can also Google us and contact us directly, HollywoodAnonymousGuys at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe. 